welcome to Stupid Sequence, the show where we make ranked lists of things that don't matter because arguing with your friends is fun. I'm your host, Josh. And I'm your host, Scott. We are at episode 32 this week, and we'll start with a quick summary of what the show is. The goal of each episode is to create a ranked list of something, usually media-related. Scott and I will pick a topic before the show and each come prepared with a list of 10. Now, normally in the first segment, we talk about the first five items from our list, but this week we're doing a little bit different of a thing here. Um, we are trying to do a double header like we tried to do with our director thing a little while ago, but um, I think we have a better shot at it this time. So yeah, the I agree. general idea of what we're doing here is we're doing two lists. We're doing the best uh, multiplayer competitive video games and best co-op video games doing top fives um, i'm going to create a unified top five for each so for segment one we're going to dig into um we'll see how far we get through the the competitive games um, we'll create a unified list of those and then um we're going to move on to the co-op games from there and do the unified list of that so we'll see how the breaks shake out it's a little bit different than what we normally do so we'll see how it shakes out as we go but yeah, I think this will be I think this will be a fun set of games. I uh it's a hard hard for me to decide some of these. There there were a number of games that I was like, oh, I love playing that game. And I'm like, oh man, but I really love playing this other game. Yeah. Oh, but oh remember playing oh no, oh crap. That there was are, are, then there were some for me that was like myself. I really loved I really loved playing this game at one point and then they made changes to it and now I no longer love playing that game. Um, See, mine was not considered a snapshot as of now. It was, at the time, how much I loved playing it and where that would rank, relatively speaking. Yeah, and I'd say that's true for me. Um, but, you know, if I, had, if I went on to have negative experiences with a game, that definitely colors the overall ranking for me. Sure. That being yeah, said, that makes sense. one of mine is a game I've had immensely negative experiences with and still is in my top five. So we'll see. That, that might hurt you. We'll see. We'll see. I don't think it's a game you've played, so. Okay. Well, why don't we uh, jump right into it here? We're doing uh, competitive games first. Um, yes. And versus. Scott, we'll start with your number five. My number five is GoldenEye 007. That's a good video game. It is a very good video game. Specifically the N64 version, I'm thinking, with the yellow sure. golden cartridge. Um, it's a rare game. Rare. Rare is the wear. developer. Yes, rare. It's a, that's a difficult... Rare wear is harder. That's what they used to be called. That is difficult to say. Rare wear? Maybe easier like, if you're British. Like They're Care Brit Bear? They're a British studio, so... Yeah, okay. Well, GoldenEye 007 is a 1997 first-person shooter game developed by Rare and published by Nintendo for the N64. It was based on the movie GoldenEye, uh, which came out in 95, two years prior. So in this game, you are Bond if you're playing the single player and you're trying to prevent a criminal syndicate from using a satellite weapon. It's a good single player uh, game really good single player game but that's not what we're evaluating here yeah the and see if you've never seen any of the speed running for this game it is insane i don't it's like they they point their gun straight down at the ground and then just run because it's more efficient if you're not looking and then they know exactly how long and in which direction to run and then turn and then boom shoot and then keep running it's ridiculous 
So GoldenEye 007 features a multiplayer mode, though, where up to four people can compete in several deathmatch scenarios via a split screen. So you can do normal, you only live twice, uh, the living daylights, the man with the golden gun, and slappers license only. to kill. Slappers only. Don't forget Slapp- about that. <laughs> yes, slappers only. So normal is the standard mode, uh, just killing each other. Um, teams, individual competition, whatever. You only live twice, you get two lives um, before you're eliminated from the game. Um, License to kill, players die from a single hit from any weapon. So due to that, most people end up using the clob because it's like... It's the only mode where the clob's good. Right, yeah, well, the clob sucks. But in that one, it's the bullets just spray everywhere. It's terrible accuracy and super low damage, but if one hit kills, then... It's who like, cares? It's dumb. yeah, who are right? Man with the golden gun. There's a single golden gun, which is capable of killing opponents with one shot. It's placed in a fixed location in the level. And then once it's picked up, the only way to reacquire it is by killing the player holding it. Uh, Living daylights. A fl- it's like capture the flag. Um, just hang on to the flag for the longest. You can't use guns while you're holding the flag, um, but you can pick up ammunition, preventing other people from shooting you. Um, different characters, different weapons, uh, obviously Golden Gun, that's my favorite personally, but, um, the club was fun in the license to kill scenario. Playing as Odd uh, Job is cheating. Yep, that was, short. that was the next thing I was going to mention. Odd Job, short character, uh, presumably created to counterbalance a tall character being added to the game. Um, but since his visual frame of reference is below the normal sight line of the gun it required you to physically aim the crosshairs toward him and so if you were fighting against him it it became nearly impossible to effectively kill him which means using odd job is yes effectively it is cheating uh, worth mentioning, uh, the controls for this game have aged truly horribly, more, maybe worse than just about any other video game out there. Um, they are bad controls because <laughs> camera, right? Two control sticks weren't a thing yet. And so you got to do weird. The aiming in this game is very weird. Yeah. But at the time the we best. didn't know better, you know? No, but uh, it was still a fun game to play. Sure. There were, sure. There were a couple of other... Uh, cheats you could add which i thought would add fun to the game uh there's dk mode where you have like really big head and arms but tiny body and legs notably Um, this studio uh before this developed the donkey kong country games oh yep uh paintball mode where the bullet spraying on the walls was more like a paintball um no radar which eliminated the mini map which showed the location of your enemies, sure. which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, turbo mode, everybody moves super fast, and infinite ammo. So, you know, this was one of the first games that I played that was, like, FPS, split-screen, shooter, like, versus-type games. I remember going to my buddy Richie's grandma's house, and, and we would play for many, many hours in the uh, the front room. So a lot of uh a lot of good memories surrounding this game, one of my first introductions to the versus style game and a worthy addition to my top 5 list. Great game. Still yeah. still enjoy playing it from time to time. Yeah, it's uh it was uh certainly certainly for the time 
It was the console shooter until Halo came out. What's your number five? My number five is a more recent video game. Um, the, uh, this was out in 2015 on most platforms available at the time. We're talking about Rocket League from developer Psionics. Have you played Rocket League? I know this game. I have okay. played maybe five times because I don't own it. Okay. Um, but I've, I've played at other, other people's houses. So or on other people's setups. Never really so, got uh, into it. For uh, the listener who's not familiar, Rocket League is a soccer, but played by essentially remote control cars. Um, it's way better than it sounds. <laughs> the, the standard format is three on three, and it's a lot of fun to drive at the ball as fast as you can, launch it in the air, and kind of watch everybody scurry to try to get to it before the other team does. And there's actually um, a pretty high skill ceiling with this game because the physics work a very specific way kind of learning how to jump in the air and flip your car around because there's a there's a jump button and then if you jump while you're in the air you kind of launch your car forward and depending on where in the flip and you flip when you launch your car forward and depending on where and you flip where you hit the ball while you're flipping um that's going to make the ball launch in a different way um and uh even, uh, you know, you can, there's a boost in the game, and if you jump and then kind of aim your car up and boost, you'll actually kind of fly for a little while. And so if you can do, if you can figure that out, start flying, and then you can hit the ball before it lands and kind of like launch it down into a goal or something, you can get some really crazy trick shots going. Uh, that's very hard. <laughs> um, although people have been playing that game for eight years now, so a lot of the people playing it are absolutely savage at this point. But, um, I've seen a lot a of really cool highlight videos. Oh yeah. People like pinching the ball into the wall and like launching it super fast and you know, a lot of fake out videos and it's it's pretty entertaining. I, I definitely don't mind watching highlight reels. I just never got into playing it. Oh, and, and worth mentioning, all of the walls of the arena are like rounded to the floor. So you just drive right up on the walls and stuff and, and keep going and that uh so the the cool game concept. is kinda the game is kind of designed so that you never really have to stop moving. Um, I think it's the unique physics engine that really accelerated it above a normal, like, variant on soccer. Yeah, and, and you know, um, you can also blow up cars by boosting into them. That's pretty fun. Uh, I, I think a lot of part, big part of why this game ended up being as massive of a success as it was, um, was... When it first came out, it was a, uh, a PlayStation exclusive, and they put it on the PlayStation Plus service as a free game. So if you were subscribed to PlayStation Plus, you just got to play this, and so I was at the nice. time. And so I was like, this looks stupid, I'll try it with, with some friends, and then we played it for like half an hour and went, this, this is very good, okay. I ended up playing a ton of that game. So um, yeah, Rocket League, that's my number five. Excellent game. Um, I haven't played it in years, but you know, when I when I did play it, I played a whole bunch of it and enjoyed it a lot. Sweet. Good What's addition. your number four? My number four, another throwback game, only to 1999 this time. It is Worms Armageddon. Uh, that game's good. For the Dreamcast specifically is the one that I played the most, but it is available on a lot of platforms now, uh, including Steam, I believe. Okay, nineteen ninety nine. Ninety nine by Team Seventeen. Yep. 
So it's uh, a turn-based strategy video game developed and published by Team 17, originally released for Microsoft Windows operating system, uh, but was later ported to PlayStation, Dreamcast, Nintendo 64, Game Boy Color. Um, It is the third installment in the Worms series, and in this game, the player controls a team of up to eight Earthworms that are tasked with defeating an opposing team using a huge array of weapons. So the game takes place on a destructible and customizable two-dimensional board and is characterized by the cartoonish graphics and pretty unique brand of humor. So like I said, it is turn-based and a two-dimensional terrain. And during your turn, you move a single worm. Usually they are named with some kind of theme. You walk, jump, swing by a rope, parachute, teleport, bungee, whatever gear you have at your disposal. And your objective is to kill your opponent's worms, uh, and each one has a specific amount of health. So when worms are hit with a weapon, the worms lose health depending upon the power of the weapon and the directness of the hit. And a worm can be killed either by exploding after having its health reduced to zero or by being knocked into the water around and below the level. So this game, it it can be more than, you know, two people. I we've played it, I think four I I wanna say some variants have more, but I think four yeah, was there, the most I've ever been played a ton, with. It. A ton of worms games and definitely some of them have had more than four. I think Dreamcast version of Armageddon would cap you out at four. It it did, yeah, I think because of the controllers. And I think you, you had actually had two controllers plugged in and we had to pass one. Yeah, maybe it was one and controller and, and pass it yeah. around. So uh, the game includes a, a pretty wide variety of weapons. Um, melee, projectiles, explosive weapons, airstrike-based attacks. And, you know, some of the some of the weapons are kind of based on real-life things. Like there's the shotgun, there's a bazooka, hand grenade. But then there's other, like, cartoonish things. Like there's a sheep that is a mobile explosive or a skunk which releases poisonous gas um so every turn uh, over the time that you're playing right multiple turns pass you get more weapons there are crates that get airdropped in there's uh like a french sheep strike i remember the the holy hand grenade that you throw and it goes hallelujah and just explodes and that's of course an homage to uh, Monty Python. Uh, the um, most important item, the ninja rope. The ninja rope is a a very cool item because there is a significant skill level to it because you can extend yourself uh, at the length of the rope and then swing yourself up and around things. And if you take damage, your turn ends, so you got to be extra careful about the way that you... Uh, use some of these items and you don't want to hurt yourself in the process my favorite thing about the entire thing is not just uh, finding new and creative ways to kill people or like trying to explode the terrain or oh my gosh I can't believe you did that and it killed this and it moved this over here and it changed this other thing it's like you know then retaliation my favorite thing though is when you use dynamite they pronounce it as dinamite but in like a really cartoonish, wormy voice, it's like, Dinamite! And then it just explodes, and you're like, wow, that was, that was a lot of fun. 
So yeah, really, really is, like this game. There's a lot of repit playability here because there's so many levels. It's turn-based. You never really feel like it's a targeted thing because there's so much variant. You, you control multiple worms depending on who's near you or where you're trying to position yourself. You might be your own worst enemy and like explode a rocket launcher in your own terrain when you didn't mean to. So pretty cool concept. A lot of fun to play. I've spent hours and hours playing this with friends. And uh, I think if it was if it was something where I could play it again on Steam with friends, I definitely would do it. And I'm, I'm sure that option exists. I just haven't explored it. Yeah, there's more modern ones that have come out in more recent years. This one, out of all the Worms games, is the one that people remember the most and has some of the best critical acclaim. Uh, just from what I was reading on it. And when people think about Worms games or that style of games, they always come back to Worms Armageddon. So, yep. Number four, Worms Armageddon. What's your Very number Very good four? game. My number four is a fighting game uh, released in 2002 by Project played Soul. Some of those. We're calling it Soul Calibur 2. Uh, it pained me a bit that I was not able to put this a little bit higher on my list. This is my favorite fighting game of all time, um, but there's there's some better games on the list here. Uh, but yeah, uh, it's a 3D fighter if you haven't played Soul Calibur before, um, and all the characters have weapons. So this game came out when I was 12, and I think I got it when I was 13. So for, you know, uh, teenage me, let's say, uh, fighting with weapons, that's way cooler than just punching people like in most other fighting games, like a Street Fighter or something like that, you know? But if yeah, I can hit did, people with a sword... How did your parents let you play with this? Um, I, I you know, like I, I, this one kind of snuck through. It was a little more, maybe a little more violent than I, I, you know, we've talked a little bit on the show in the past, I think. I had a fairly sheltered childhood not allowed to play a lot of different or watch a lot of different movies and stuff like that but you know Soul Calibur 2 snuck through I guess um hey this game is very good <laughs> it's uh this is a, a really fun game uh I, I find that you know there's a lot of fighting games that are very very technical and require a ton of practice to get any good at or to be even able to do like um, if you're not familiar with fighting games, just being able to do like the basic moves or combos or things like that, um, very hard to approach for newcomers. I find that Soul Calibur is very much not that. It's really easy to get into. It's really easy to find moves that are fun and effective. And so I find that Soul Calibur works really, really well as a party game and just have some friends over and just have that on TV and people just take turns fighting each other. And it's a ton of fun. I spent a lot of time playing this with friends in the basement as a teenager um just beating on each other with all the different characters um did you have a favorite character that you played as yeah my favorite characters in this one were um nightmare who's an armor dude possessed by an evil sword and he has uh just a giant great sword it's very cool uh keelik who's a dude who fights with a staff uh mitsurugi who's like samurai dude and then since i had the gamecube version the guest character in that one was link from link. zelda and yeah. he is also very fun to play definitely the best of as each platform this came out on xbox original xbox ps2 and um in the gamecube uh the xbox version got spawn the comics character spawn mm -hmm. uh, and the playstation version got hayachi from the tekken series mm. 
Um, mm-hmm. And Link, definitely the most fun out of those. I don't know. Hihachi made your other list as that's uh, true. Hihachi, many many episodes ago, uh, <laughs> was featured on this show. But um, yeah, no, this is a uh, yeah, ton of fun, tons and tons of fun playing Soul Calibur two. Um, original Soul Calibur also very very good. But uh, Soul Calibur two is the one that I spent the most time with. Uh, and yeah, I think it's such a good fighting game. My favorite one, so that's uh, made it to my number four. Very good. Good addition. I agree with you. Having the weapons does give it a completely different feel. And I never owned this game, but I remember playing it at, I think it was Cameron's house. And yeah, it was a lot of fun. It definitely added a different element than just a typical fist fighting game. Also, fun fact, uh, that is the oldest game on my list. But yeah, um, that's my number four. What do you got for number three? I'm going to continue my older games list here number three for me is mario party three. Oh no oh yes also for the n64 by nintendo that 2000 uh, i don't have her here i'll have to double check uh so this is the third game in the series and it is the last one for the nintendo 64 2000 it featured, dead on nice it featured 70 mini games and two new characters were added, Daisy and Waluigi, in addition to, of course, Mario, Luigi, Peach, Yoshi, Wario, and DK. Uh, it also added a new feature, dual boards, where two players fight each other using partners. Um, and from the Mario wiki, uh, it says, the game is the first game in the Mario Party series to have a solo mode story campaign, as well as the first game to have mini games that can be unlocked and played anytime without purchasing them first, a system that has become standard and would continue to be used in future installments, and the first to let players have a handicap. So in the main game mode, the Battle Royale, um, you and whoever you're playing against take turns uh you have a like a dice block a die block that is above you that's spinning around numbers you jump and you hit your number and then you move that many spaces but you can use items there's a number of different spaces to land on that either award coins or remove coins or there's an event of some kind Um, i mean it's like a giant board game but a virtual board game um you so the objective is to get coins which you can then use to pay for stars and then at the end of every turn round there's also a mini game that is played and the mini game winner is also potentially awarded stars uh, although some of the games involved collecting or excuse me awarding coins some of the games uh were collecting coins and you just got to keep whatever coins you collected from the mini games yeah, a lot more like treasury ones. And like, yeah. oh, you got the treasure chest and there's a bunch of coins in it. So even if you didn't win, you still get these coins. That's pretty useful. Or, yeah, or like your, there was a water skiing one, like a 1v3 water skiing one, where if you're driving the water ski or the jet ski, you're trying to collect the coins that are coming on the screen first, but then the other three players are all water skiing behind you and they're trying to collect their own coins. Um. Anyway... So uh, of those, of this game, right, my brother and I spent a lot of time playing this game. This was one of the few multiplayer games that we had on our Nintendo 64 at the time. And so my brother and I, if we both wanted to play, I gave him the purple 
that kind of transparent controller that you know the player two controller and i got the gray oh, the one atomic purple? the standard yeah pretty cool in hindsight kind of sad that i don't have it now but anyway we played this game quite a bit i probably every single map multiple times and we we went back and forth quite a bit on who was the winner uh there were a number of mini games that i also really enjoyed like i said there were 70 mini games and uh among them, some of my favorite ones, uh, there was Messy Memory, where they have like a dozen or so items that are mixed up on three shell, uh, three shelves, and they show you a picture of what it's supposed to look like, and then they show you a scrambled version. You got to move it around and get it back together. Uh, curtain Call, where you had to remember the order of like a random minions that came across the stage dancing, like some Goombas and some Koopas, and they were and some boos. They just you know, come across the screen, you got to remember the order. And then they would say, what's the seventh thing that appeared? And you're like, uh, crap. You got to figure it out. Uh, Snowball Summit, where you have to roll snowballs and throw them and knock them at each other. And you try to knock people off of the summit. Uh, Chip Shot Challenge, which was like a mini golf one. And I think that one also is the same mechanics that you use to do the Mario Golf game, which is pretty cool. Uh, And then the beat goes on, which is... um, one where you have to repeat kind of like a Simon uh, game where they progressively increase the pattern that you have to remember. And it's like key st- or button pressing. Um, so there's one V three games, two V two games, the battle mini games, dual mini games, item mini games where you could win an item. And then there were some rare ones or game guys, mini games where you could have a special event that occurred. So like I said, played a lot of this game. Mario Party 3, I always like being Yoshi whenever possible, because Yoshi's the coolest. Yeah, Yoshi's very good. Uh, a couple things I want to note here. One, uh, Mario, game, Mario Party is a uh, game for bad people and destroys relationships. Oh yeah? Why, why do you feel that way? Um, it's a really good way to make uh, all your friends hate each other. Um, oh, okay. Is it because and, you steal uh, stars or like... Oh, yeah. No, you steal stars from people. The game just like uh, has, you know, it's like, oh, whoever got to the end with the most stars wins. No, actually, the game in the background is going like, we're just going to throw out a bunch of bullshit stars to just be like, oh, you touched the A button the most times. Here's a, here's a star for you. And it's like, oh, this is not fair. Um, yeah, the, I the never game understood is, The game's real messy, uh, just all over the place. And uh, um, if you want some good Mario Party content, uh, the uh, website giantbomb.com uh did a series of videos called mario party party uh where the rule was they went through every mario party game and you play for the maximum amount of turns which is 50 turns and what that means is that's minimum three hours on some of the uh later games in the series that ended up being more like four or five hours yeah if you want to see some people being tormented by mario party for long long periods of time uh those are those are very fun videos yeah, it's it's pretty entertaining when you're playing with other people, especially in the mini games, because every round has a mini game and it's always not well, not always, but it's almost always something different and it rewards talent in various ways, whether that's, you know, coordination or memory or whatever. And and so there's a lot of fun to be had there, but then the the semi randomness, you're right, of the rewards at the end of oh you had the most coins at one point so we're giving you a star for that and you're like wait a minute i had five stars and now this guy's got six and he had three because he got 
the star star because he was awarded the most stars from the star rewards. This it's guy like what landed the crap? on the most red spaces. It did seem extremely arbitrary which awards they gave out, almost like they were deciding who they wanted to win anyway, and then yep. would either compound the winner where you like you did so well that we're going to give you five more stars and you're going to win by eight stars and you're like, wow, this was great. Or they're going to declare a new winner because it was close and they want to screw with you. But I remember yelling at the TV a lot for that one. But at the same time, it's so much fun. So, so much fun. And because the amount of hours that you get out of it, like you said, and the replayability because there's so many different maps and characters and mini games that you want to try to unlock everything and play every round and I mean I would spend hours just playing mini games versus my brother but I uh I like the maps in two better I like the movie themes that they did on that one yeah never never really played two that much because three was the first one that I had and it was gotcha. so much fun gotcha Yep, that was my number three. What do you got? Uh, my number three is my second most recent game on the list here. Uh, 2016's Titanfall 2 from Respawn Ent- Entertainment. I'm not familiar with this game. You don't, you don't know Titanfall? Mm, nope. Wow, okay. So Titanfall may be the coolest game on either of my lists here today. Uh, so if you're not familiar, it's a first-person shooter where over the course of a match, you get to periodically summon a big mech that you get to pilot until it is destroyed. Uh, there's a really fantastic rhythm of going back and forth between you start out the level on foot and then you get, you get your mech partway through and eventually that's destroyed. Maybe you get killed, maybe you don't because you always get to eject out of the mech before it blows up, which is also very cool. Um, and then you're back to on foot and maybe your mech again later and then it's a good rhythm back and forth. Uh, they also managed to avoid a pitfall because you would think you would think that it's like, well, I just want to be in the mech the whole time and I'm not happy if I'm not in my mech. Then they actually did a good job of making the on foot stuff just as much fun as the mech stuff was. And a lot of that has to do with the movement. This is the best movement in a first person shooter ever. Uh, everyone has a double jump and a wall run and you're highly incentivized to wall run as much as possible because you go way faster than regular movement. You're harder to hit. You can get where you're going um, faster. On top of that, you get an active ability to choose um, when as you go into the match. So it's like a, clo- a cloaking uh, device or a grappling hook or an energy shield wall you can lay down. Uh, my favorite is called Stim, which gives you a massive speed boost and some healing for a short period of time. Because uh, I like going real fast, and you can go real fast with that. So from my quick Googling of this, it looks like Apex Legends is also part of that series. Is that right? Yeah, so the developer um, respawn is actually f- former um, the p- the people who made the old Modern Warfare games um, split off. Um, they actually got fired from the, the the heads of that studio got fired, and um, Vince Zampella went on to form respawn. And they started with Titanfall, and then they surprise launched Apex Legends later on, which is set in the Titanfall universe, uh, but it's more of a battle royale thing. They don't have the oh. they don't have the Titans in it. Right. Okay. So, uh, but yeah, the, the, there's a bunch of different, um, the, the max are called Titans, by the way, there's a bunch of different Titans with unique abilities. Um, like, um, it's like a fire themed one and there's, um, like a more shield focused one. Uh, my favorite is called tone, uh, and he has a rifle and a shoulder mounted missile launcher. 
Um, so if you can hit someone three times with a rifle, you like establish a target lock on them, and then you get to hit the the missile launcher button, and it just launches a barrage of homing missiles. That's really hard to dodge because you you got to hit you you got the target lock on them. So it's a uh, it's really good. Um, it's a really fun. I played a whole bunch of this when it came out, um, and uh, I think safe to say this is my favorite conventional first person shooter multiplayer that's ever been released. So Titanfall two. Excellent, excellent video game. Hmm. They should make a third one. Titanfall 2. I'm just looking at some gameplay from this, and I mean, it, there's some some familiarity to me and some similarities, but I mean, it's probably just that it's a an FPS game, and yeah. most of them have some similarities to them. Yeah, the the real standouts mm-hmm. here. What makes this game special is that the the when you're the the when you're a pilot and you're just that's the name of the what they call the on foot characters. I mean, the pilot movement is so extremely fun and good and feels really really good to do. And the wall running and everything, and then the mech stuff is very fun. They feel very mobile. You can kind of like dash around in the mechs to dodge attacks, and um, mm-hmm. they have a lot of a lot of cool abilities and everything, and and you can customize a bunch of stuff. Like one of my favorite things to do, because um, you can put perks on your character and on the Titan and everything. My favorite Titan perk to do was the nuclear ejection, which means when you eject out of the Titan, you launch way up in the air, and then your Titan blows up with a nuclear explosion. So anyone near you. Um, if they did not get away in time, uh, they get killed nice. while you eject out of there. And that was very satisfying to do. Sounds like it could be pretty fun. Good game. Sweet. What you got for your number two? Yeah, let's keep going. Uh, so this was probably one of the tougher additions because, you know, one per universe rule. My number two is Smash Melee. Ah. And this would be the GameCube variant of the Smash Brothers universe. It's a very good game. Video game. Uh, it's the second installment, right? Uh, 2001. Not a must. Uh, so, uh, and that, that's fair. It's an honorable mention. So when I was thinking about Smash Brothers in general, because, I mean, it, it is, no pun intended, the ultimate versus game. And it's, it really boils down to you're taking so many characters from so many games that you love, grew up with, have played and pulling them all together to fight each other. And, and I think that's just incredible just as conceptually awesome. Uh, obviously started with the original Smash Brothers on N64, but this is the second one on the GameCube, and it is it, it takes the original game, which had uh, I think twelve characters, yeah, twelve characters, and it increases that number to twenty-five or twenty-six if Zelda and Sheik are considered separate characters, but twenty-five characters. Um, so yeah, thirteen more than its predecessor, basically more than doubled. Um, 14 of them are available initially, while the other 11 characters require completing specific tasks to become available, and figuring that out was always a lot of fun. Um, but once you've got all the characters unlocked and you can start facing off against each other, that's where the real fun begins. And, and it's another game kind of like Soul Calibur, where 
uh, there's a low barrier to entry yeah. because you can just pick something that you like. And then yeah, I remember multiple times, like, oh, I don't know how to play this character, what this character does. And so it was, all right, let's spawn in. You push all the buttons, understand the move set, and we'll just play. And so it was, okay, I'm going to spawn in with DK and, or maybe a bad example because he's in the first one. Ice Climbers, the second one. You're like, oh, there's two guys and they swing yeah. hammers. And you're like, dang, this is pretty powerful. So yeah, in this one, there are, like I said, 25 characters. Um, I could list them all, but I, I feel like that's maybe a bit excessive. Um, some notable ones, though, that are kind of new that I really enjoyed playing as. Um, Young Link, pretty fun. Pichu, which was a smaller version of Pikachu, and I think possibly the most powerful character from that version. He was removed from the next two games, and then he's back for Smash Ultimate. He, so Pichu he damages himself. He does damage himself. I don't, I don't, I don't himself. Like playing Pichu. Oh, I think it's great. He's excessively powerful, and that's awesome. Uh, Mewtwo, also pretty cool. Uh, the fact that you can even play as him. It's very floaty. Uh, yep. Ice Climbers was a lot of fun. And uh, Dr. Mario didn't really like playing him, but I thought that it was really cool that he was in there because I used to enjoy playing the Dr. Mario game sure. uh, for the Game Boy. And so you know, Very good his addition was pretty awesome. Oh, and Falco, of course, uh, from Star Fox Universe. Oh, wait, no, he was in the first one. Never mind. No, he's not. Star Fox is in the first one, but Falco is not. He's in Melee. Oh, you're, you're right. You're right. But anyway, having the new characters in there, I thought it was really cool. Um, it, it was a, it was not redoing anything from the first one for the most part. I mean, it was basically the same game with additional content. Yeah, new stages, um, new characters, new yep, items, new, sta- new music, new items. Um, and that's Smash were, Bros. All the way up till now. <laughs> I mean, yeah, effectively it is, but I'm not saying that there's a criticism. Smash Bros. is great. Um, they keep just, adding new it content. It's largely been and, the same thing with some slight rules tweaks over sure. time. And Smash Ultimate, the newest version, they have made it where they can modify movesets now because it can be updated. Um, and you can play against each other with different movesets. And so they've nerfed characters over time or changed them or removed them from tournaments because competitively, this is one of the biggest games out there for competitive gameplay um especially for console um my my own son plays on his team for uh for the smash team esports team for his school so that's pretty cool um doing very well this season i think he's got another match next tuesday but i think he's five and two on the season which is pretty good so yeah, yeah, Ultimate has uh, 89 characters now. Yeah, so. it's kind of ridiculous. I I lost track after, is it the Wii version, uh, which was... Uh, Brawl is the Wii Brawl, one. Brawl, yeah. Um, and I played Ultimate's that really one. Good. I played that one, but I didn't like the Wii controller as much. That's I like the and GameCube Brawl's controller. A, Brawl's a controversial game. They made some choices in there that are uh, not well-liked. And even though most of the competitive nature of this game, now at least, removes all items and specials from from the game, 
I think that's not really in the spirit of the game. I love having the items and the additional things that make it extra unique. Throwing a Pokeball, using a home run bat. You know, Nintendo, uh, Nintendo certainly agrees with you. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. They're, they're actively trying to kill the competitive scene right now. Oh, well, I don't know they're, anything about that. They're, but. they're putting a bunch of limitation, absurd limitations on what you're allowed to do in Smash tournaments. No, yeah, well, that's, uh, that's unfortunate. It's not, but it's not great. It has no bearing on my list. I, I wanted to mention a couple of my favorite stages as well, because I think some of these were really cool. The uh, Planet Zebes, which was the Rising Acid level. Um, the Star Fox ship which yeah, was in the first ship. one, but they that's updated the one. it. That's the level. I, I that love that Hyrule level. Temple. Uh, that was next to my list here, yep. Hyrule Temple. Uh, Dreamland Green Greens, because the uh, I played a lot of the Kirby games growing up, so I, I like seeing the, uh, I forget the character's name, but the wood tree where he blows uh, you in one direction or another. And mm-hmm. then uh, the DK's Island Jungle Japes, and that one specifically is like, it's so small and I hate that level and I kept falling off and then suddenly I'd be like, Oh, I'm actually I caught onto that little platform underneath and I made it. I'm going to survive. And then I got Captain Falcon right into the side anyway. So yeah, smash melee, amazingly fun game, tons of replayability, so many different ways that you can do this. We did, you know, just these items or just Pokeballs or double damage or, you know, reduced damage or no items or so many different like 1v1 matches where now we both play as this character or we both do random or, you know, lots and lots of hours to be spent in this game. And it's just a lot of fun. A lot of different moves, a lot of different characters. Feels nostalgic without actually being nostalgic, although... Now I guess it is because I haven't played it in a while, but point stands as far as versus games are concerned, this is a top tier and amongst the, amongst the smash games that I am most familiar with, it is the best. It's a very good video game. What is your number two? Uh, number two for me is the, uh, uh, the most recent game on my list here. Uh, this is Call of Duty Modern Warfare, the remake, not remake, but the new game that they called Modern Warfare in 2019. It's not a remake of the original Modern Warfare, but they just called it Modern Warfare because everything is just using the same names over again now, and I hate it. Yeah, I don't understand that. Um, is that just for brand recognition? The, the Modern Warfare brand, those are the most popular, those were the most popular Call of Duty games from back in the day, and so they, they were like, what if we just brought that name back? And turns out, they made a really good video game with the 2019 one and Warzone, the add-on that came out a few months later. So, mm-hmm. this is this game is t- the first Call of Duty. We talked about that a number of times, actually. Warzone. Yeah. The, the, this is the first Call of Duty I actually got into in terms of the multiplayer, and that is 100% due to Warzone. I had already and previously entered the Battle Royale genre because I played a whole bunch of PUBG and really enjoyed that quite a bit. Didn't care, but I didn't care for Fortnite at all and didn't think that game played well. Uh, Warzone then launched as a free-to-play game almost exactly at the start of the pandemic in 2020, and a friend and I quickly latched onto the game and really loved it, really had a good time with it. And it actually became a pretty much daily ritual for us during especially like the first year of the pandemic or so. 
Um, we pretty much like every day after we got off work, we'd play for about an hour. Usually, um, sometimes we'd get on again later in the day and play some more. Um, nice. Yeah, and, and in terms of the game itself, um, 150 people parachute into a huge map, um, and then run around the map trying to find. You know, you 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 parachute in with just a pistol. And then you're trying to find guns and stuff. It's the Battle Royale formula. You know, if you know Battle Royale, um, you know it. Radiation starts moving in, creating ever smaller circles and funneling all the players into a smaller space on the map. And then whoever the last squad standing is wins. Uh, So that begs the question, how many winner winner chicken dinners do you have? Oh, we we won a bunch of times. Um, A whole bunch of times. They they have... uh, Anywhere from, you know, you can play solos up through four people. Um, my friend Taylor and I uh, played this the most together, uh, so we would do duos a lot, and we won a goodly amount of times. He's better than me, um, but uh, we had a pretty good uh, thing going where um, he liked using the sniper rifles a lot, and so I would run at people and get in their face and distract them, and then he would pick them off from a distance. That usually worked pretty well. Nice. Um, especially since you could like if if you're if you had a team member survive the engagement and could get to the downed team member in time you could revive them um or even if you couldn't um you could potentially bring your team back by buying um like a respawn thing at a shop that's on the map so yeah unlike kind of more most of the other battle royale games were at the time like you could keep getting back into the game and that's what kept it really fun um they also did a thing where the first time you actually full died you would instead of just being all the way dead you would go to the gulag and you would have to fight a 1v1 fight against um someone else who had died and whoever wins that fight gets to come back into the game right away which is a Um, pretty cool concept i i agree yeah so there are a lot of ways you could keep playing you could keep hanging out with your friends in the game and that's not just like well you died now you're out of the game until you have to wait for your friend to finish the match you know um the uh this warzone also has the traditional call of duty progression with all the different guns and attachments and stuff you can level up and skins to unlock and everything um and then eventually to speed that process up of leveling up the guns and stuff my friend and i actually decided to get into the traditional multiplayer for that year's game as well and we played a ton of that as well um it was a really good year for the multiplayer the shooting just feels tremendously great there were a lot of really excellent maps and just all around great time between the two different modes. Um, and it's it ultimately a shame that every Call of Duty since then hasn't been anywhere near as good. Um, I've tried most of them out and then just none of them hit the same way. But uh, 2019, Modern Warfare and Warzone. Warzone even, the newer versions of Warzone stuff also don't hit the way they, they used to. They made some changes that really uh, kind of slowed the whole thing down and everything. And didn't love that as much but you know for for 2020 into 2021 boy i played a whole bunch of this game very very good this is another game where i've played pretty minimal minimally but have watched a lot of highlights on and it's pretty entertaining there's some there's some really good streamers that play these games and to see them competing in warzone is kind of incredible worth mentioning um one of my um this isn't um uh i don't think this was in warzone one they added it in warzone two so not technically relevant to this but i want to mention it anyway um they added in like proximity chat 
So if people were doing in-game voice chat and you were talking to your friends and stuff, then you got close enough to other people, then the other people would hear you talking. Um, and so they would know someone was nearby, not where they weren't getting like directional audio on like where the sound was coming from, but they knew a squad was nearby and they're like, oh crap, we gotta, we gotta figure out where the other person's coming from. So that, that, that was some pretty fun dynamics when that was going on. Sweet. But yeah, Warzone and, and the regular multiplayer for, for Modern Warfare 2019, both excellent. And it's still technically all one game. So I included both. Okay. Fair enough. What do you got for your number one? My number one is Halo 2. We are continuing with the progression of years here because I started in 97 and I just noticed this. I went from 97 to 99 to 2000 to 2001. This is 2004. So progressively newer games higher on my list. Halo 2. Bungie. This is not a duplicate. No. No, it is not. But this is a fantastic game. It's good. And, and I know we're also doing a best co-op games. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was a contender for that list as well. Did not make my top five, but man, this is a great gameplay. Yeah, Halo 2 is, uh, of those first three Halo games, the worst co-op, because if you play on Legendary anyway, because it's mean. It is real mean. Really mean. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> just reminds me of multiple well let, let me get into it here so for uh for halo in general um like halo combat evolved right the xbox version of halo 2 has a multiplayer system that allows players to compete with each other in a split screen and system link modes um this game in particular hits home for me because of the nostalgia factor, the history that we have with this game. There was a period of maybe like three, four years where every single birthday party and gathering was getting together to play Halo in some form. And uh, I, I remember multiple of my own birthday parties where I would have multiple rooms set up, inviting friends over. We'd connect all the Xboxes together, have like six, seven TVs going, and putting them on. We had a switch that we would bring with us, uh, like a a router switch. Like a Nintendo switch? switch. No. And connect them all up and play on the same local area network. And we had more than 16 people only 16 could play but we had more than 16 people enough that we were sitting out round by round and then rotating people in depending on who did the worst overall and and we played for hours it was like starting at dinner time basically and you know playing until one two in the morning only at that point did we break off and decide ah you know i've had enough halo for the night i'm gonna I'm going to go over here and play on this Xbox and we're going to play this game and you know, we're going to go over here on this and we're going to watch this movie and yeah, split off, do your own thing. But the amount of time that we spent on Halo 2 specifically, it was kind of phenomenal. We had, we had memorized the maps. We knew the super jump points. We played every variation of the game and there were a lot of game modes here. 
right? There was Capture the Flag, King of the Hill. There was an oddball where there's literally a ball. Um, race mode, Slayer, which was the typical. It's Slayer. I, I just I hear all the audio. Uh, Assault Kill. Yeah. <laughs> um, Ultra Kill. What was the... Uh, Kilimanjaro. Yeah, Kilimanjaro. Uh, Juggernaut territories. We even had... It wasn't an official game mechanic at the time, uh, but we played zombies, and it was all right. Yeah, there's zombies. Two the people best. as like the green team, and then everyone else is the whatever team. And if you are killed by one of the green team members, then you join the green team. And so it was literally just switch your team color and then keep going until there's one person left. Um, that was so much fun, um, and to do 16 people, lots of screens all around and like, Hey, quit, quit screen peeking. What are you doing? And like, you'd like sit up, you're in the living room together. You got your back to him. You like turn around and you're like, Oh, I see. you. Oh, he's over there. Go over there. You're like, Hey, quit screen peeking. That was a lot of fun. A lot of really good. good. A lot of good uh, weapons. Battle rifle was awesome. Especially if we did like a no shields game, battle rifles at, like foundation was fantastic. I really liked that one. Um, Battle the, rifle is the best Halo gun that isn't the Halo One pistol. Well, yeah, the Halo One pistol was a sniper rifle. It's the best. Um, it's the best gun. Rocket launchers. There was a shotguns one. Energy sword was so much fun. We did like swords only, right? At you know, I guess there were a couple different places. Like, um, what was it called? Ascension, maybe, or like. Zanzibar, Lockout, yeah, one, one of those. Any of the map names. Okay. Anyway, yeah, energy swords only, and like you're just jumping around the map and just flying at each other. But if you missed, it was like your character just kept going, and so sometimes it would launch you off of the thing and kill your character. I thought that was great. Uh, plasma grenades, like just a ton of plasma grenades everywhere. That was a lot of fun. Um, snipers. And of course, the particle beam rifle, which was the equivalent of the sniper. Um, yeah, we we spent hours and hours and hours playing this game, having lots and lots of fun. I remember including all different types of people in this, including my brother and some of his friends even joined in a couple of times. Um, and we always had funny names that we would include. For our characters, so that way it always said something funny when it when you died. Sure. Um, do you remember doing that? Yeah. Like you were killed by your mother, or you were killed by a pair of pliers and a blowtorch, or you know we had used to use various like, uh, like uh, people's names, and you were killed by Tyler's mom, or you were schooled sure. by. And it's like, yeah. Shout out to Tyler's mom, by the way. I know she listens to this podcast. Most people do. Listen to the podcast, I mean. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, not, not what I thought you meant. But anyway, <laughs> lots and lots of time spent playing Halo 2 for a good portion of my teenage years. I mean, it was the perfect time for this to come out. You know, 2004, we graduated in 08. It was basically all of high school. This game was extremely popular. And most people had it. 
most people had an Xbox. Just brought them all over, set up the TVs. I remember carrying big tube TVs from the vehicles to people's houses into the living rooms and yeah, setting pre, up pre HD era. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of good memories and a lot of hours spent. So, highly recommend Halo 2 LAN parties. In fact, I would love to do a Halo LAN party again. Is that possible? Can we do that? Well, they have a um, Halo The Master Chief Collection is a product you can purchase now, and that has all of the multiplayer from all of the Halos. Up through four. Okay, so then we just need to bring laptops, probably? This is a video game that I own. Uh, Okay, so then... Yeah, we'll just set up laptops and Steam, and you can have your own third-party controller and play some play some Halo. Uh, the only downside to this new strategy that we'd be trying here is the cost to purchase an Xbox 360 controller or an Xbox controller with USB, not just like the power charging one, but like a corded USB is like full price still. That price has not gone down. It's like 35 yeah, bucks or 40 bucks. Get a, get a newer controller at that point. Yeah, I don't understand that. And even then, those newer controllers, it's like, man, these are like 50 bucks. So expensive. 70 for the newer ones. Oh my gosh, yeah. Ridiculous. Controllers are expensive. They are, apparently. Might have to treat myself. Treat yourself. So yeah, that's my number one. Halo 2. All the nostalgia, beautiful game, loved playing it, played it for hours and hours and hours, would still play it if I was given the chance, and uh, maybe for my 35th, or let's call it my 40th birthday party, we're going to do a recreation of a LAN party. Energy drinks, pizza, it's going to be awesome. Halo's good. Halo 2, not the best Halo, but a good one. I guess all that's left on the competitive is your number one. My number one is not Halo. Uh, my, we might hear from Halo on my other list, though. Uh, my number one is, uh, for better or for worse, Dota 2 from 2011, developed by Valve. Okay, yeah. Uh, so if you don't know hey, Dota, I'll get into it a bit here. Uh, this unquestionably had to be my number one. I have 800 hours in this game, and if you include my time spent in original Dota, it's probably well over 1,500 hours. I spent probably a decade of my life playing Dota or games that were trying to be Dota and as my primary multiplayer games. Hmm. Uh, Warcraft 3. Yeah, so Dota stands for Defense of the Ancients and is a game in the MOBA genre, which stands for a multiplayer online battle arena. It is a 5v5 RPG-influenced action game that was originally created as a Warcraft 3 mod. Um, Eventually, uh, the Valve came along and made Dota 2 as its proper, as like a proper video game that was uh, a lot easier to play by modern standards at that point, so kind of everybody moved over there. Uh, So, Dota matches typically between 40 and 60 minutes where each team tries to kill uh, AI enemies that are called creeps that are coming down lanes towards your base. Um, 
by killing creeps and other um, enemy team members. You can level up your character, buy items to power up your character, and have battles with the other team as they each of you try to destroy the other team's base, including the main building in your base, which is called the Ancient, hence why it's called Defense of the Ancients. Uh, so Dota and most games in the genre... Uh, it's an incredibly broad game with hundreds of characters and abilities and items to learn about. And if you really want to do well, you need to have a basic understanding of how every character that's in the match works. Which means that if you're really going to function well on a Dota team, you need to know how every character in the game works. That's a lot of knowledge. Um, you need to have pretty know high how, barrier to entry. Yeah. You, you need to know how uh, the characters interact with the different types of items and how the different abilities interact with each other. So yeah, very extremely high barrier of entry. But since I started playing Dota when I was about 14, like an, a year after actual Dota came out, um, I was immersed in that knowledge and was able to enjoy the game, let's say at times. <laughs> um, so, but I, I find that MOBAs are a two-sided coin. I have never experienced higher highs while playing a multiplayer game, but have also rarely experienced lower lows uh, than in MOBAs, including Dota. Uh, the amount of teamwork required to do well here is so incredibly high, and when your team is firing on all cylinders and working together well in a really close tight match, I can honestly say I've never had a better time in video games. However, when things go bad, they go really bad people are frequently miserable to each other and there's a lot of trolling and harassment and eventually it's a that's a big part of why i hard ejected from the genre probably when i was around like 25 or so but i i played a lot of moba between uh, original dota and then um heroes of new earth was a game that was trying to be as close oh, yeah. to dota as possible played a bunch of that and then eventually dota 2 came out then went over to that and never looked back. Never was a League of Legends guy. I didn't not really like League of Legends, but um, yeah, I eventually just had to go. I'm having a bad enough time often enough when I play these that I just don't want to spend my time on this anymore. Um, I'm getting it's too a lot old of toxic for it. People, you know? a lot of toxic people. Um, but yeah, even even with that love hate relationship, I really do think that the game itself is the best multiplayer game out there. Just maybe not all the people playing it are great. And I don't want to play it anymore, if that makes sense. Hmm. Yeah, it does make sense. And I think your... Uh, is it your sister that plays still? No, uh, she doesn't play she anymore plays either, but played... Oh. No, she doesn't. She played Dota. Um, are you kidding me? I'm not letting... You know, I'm not letting her have that negative experience. Um, yeah, I don't blame her. League of Legends worse than Dota. Yeah. In terms of uh, people Toxicity playing the game, the, certainly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, she played oh. a while after I. She got into the genre after I did. She's much younger than me, and then also played a bit longer after I did. But is also out at this point. Hmm. Yeah, I'm seven years clean. Not gonna yeah. make it. <laughs> yeah, I. I mean, never played myself. It's a free game, right? Yes, yeah, totally free. In in theory, anybody can play it. Maybe that's part of the problem. Not everybody should. Yeah. Like you said, the toxicity is there. And even people outside of the genre, they're outside of the people playing the game, know about the toxicity that exists yeah. Yeah, within Dota uh, 2. 
<laughs> or in the, the whole genre really um it is uh it has a Mobas, bad reputation yeah. for uh having some of the worst people playing it yeah people hold themselves to high standards and everyone else along with it and then they well, have very inappropriate words that they want to share with you when those two things don't align in their mind well, and part of it is, like, if one person on your team is playing, like, really, really badly, they're probably tanking the entire match for you, and um, by they, you die too many times, the other team gets too strong, you have no chance of winning at that point. Um, and so, for some people, that means, like, you've just wasted 40 to 60 minutes of my time, and I'm upset about that, <laughs> because you yeah. played bad, and so it's really easy to become the target of... Or even when it's not targeted at you, you have somebody on your team that's not playing well, and it's like, okay, that's frustrating. And then someone else on your team is going off on them, and it's like, okay, I just don't want to interact with this person at all. Yeah, you're really selling this. I feel like the people listening are thinking, man, I can't wait to play Dota 2 so I can get reamed. Oh, don't, don't get into it at this point. I can't recommend it. It's an incredible game with terrible people playing it such a high barrier to entry you you shouldn't play it but it's good <laughs> if that makes any sense it does uh but i gotta say probably doesn't help you with our combined ranking that's fair i get it i totally okay. get it that being said we probably should take a quick break and then get into honorable mentions and the combined list sounds good let's do it Hey there. Hope you're enjoying the show so far. If you have ideas or comments, you should reach out to us via email at stupidsequence at gmail.com. Josh, have we received any new fan mail? I don't believe so. Yeah, I don't think I checked today. I'll check right now. Okay, you do that. No. You hear that, people? You're not reaching out to us. And neither is anyone else that's listening to this. Admittedly, that's a little bit sad. I'd like to hear from you. Good, bad, different, I don't know. Whatever you want to say, you should reach out to us. We, we are getting emailed that. from by Martin from Acast. That sounds fake. That sounds like advertising. No, it's our podcasting platform, and Martin is the person's name. They slap on it, and they say... Here's podcasting tips, and I go, oh, great, cool, thanks. We don't need tips. We have the we are biggest, we are the best podcasters in the world, biggest clearly. and best upcoming podcast, top podcast of 2023. We're, we're thirty. We're thirty two episodes into this podcast. I don't think you can call it an upcoming podcast anymore. Hmm. We, yeah. Okay. We have That's... we have come. Oh no. Oh no. Okay. That's. Anyway, that's real, let's, that's let's make bad. a unified list here of uh, competitive yeah. multiplayer games. I've well, moved over on. our top threes. All honorable mentions. Let's do honorable mentions oh, first. Oh, right. Okay, yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're right. I, I'll just go through my list quickly. Yeah, uh, I'll just tech, through these. I have uh, Tekken 3. Okay. I played that on the arcade. Mario Kart. Um, Ultimate Mortal Kombat 3. As so I say Ultimate. Ultimate because it actually brought in, like, Scorpion, for example, who yeah, I no, think you, was not in number three umk3 is a good version okay uh starcraft 
lot of fun, a lot of time spent there. Civ Five, uh, Marvel versus Capcom Two, sure. Diddy Kong Racing, really like that game. Uh, but I think I enjoyed this the single player more than the um, actual just multiplayer. Um, Pokemon Stadium, but more specifically the mini games within that game, uh-huh. and that was. Uh, Another one that my brother reminded me of. I was I was making this. Uh, Star Fox sixty four, ten eighty snowboarding, ultimate chicken horse. We've played that. Yeah, that's good. Quite a bit. Uh, Nidog, and and uh, Hearthstone, the battlegrounds specifically. Gotcha. Um, previ- previously, I may have said Hearthstone, the card game, but at this point, they're way too far into multiple collections and a bunch of keywords that I don't know anything about and Hearthstone Battlegrounds is an auto battler and really hasn't changed a lot since inception has only gotten more interesting and remains free. So what do you got for your honorable mentions? Uh, before I dig into my honorable mentions, I have a really mini bonus side list here. Um, I made a quick top five of top five fighting games for me. I'm just going to run those down real quick. Number one, obviously, like I said before, Soul Calibur 2. Uh, number two, Mortal Kombat 9. Number hmm. three, Dragon Ball Fighters with mm. a Z on the end. Yep. That game's very good. Uh, number four, uh, this year's Street Fighter 6. Very good game. Uh, and number five, Grand Blue Fantasy Versus. Came out a few Don't know what ago. that one is. It's made by the people who made Dragon Ball Fighters. It's Arxis. But instead, it's just got a different property slapped on it. Uh, the Grand Blue series instead of Dragon Ball. Mm. I do not care about the Grand Blue series at all, but the fighting game is very good. It plays a lot like Fighters, except for it's not a tag game, which means I can understand it better. These tag games are complicated. Wasn't there uh, another mm, competitive multiplayer game? Oh, Multiversus. That was what it was called. Did that? Um, did that game ever come out? Well, uh, they launched the game, and then after it was out for, I want to say, like, eight or nine months or something like that, they say, actually, that was early access. Even though you guys spent money on things in the game, that was early access. Now we're going to take the game down for an undetermined period of time, because no one's playing it anymore, and we're going to retool the game. Uh, Oh. So they retroactively decided that that was actually an early access thing, and now they're remaking the game. It's very weird. It says returning in early 2024. We'll see if that happens. My huh. uh, my faith in that is very low. I feel like there's a lot of really interesting characters that are in this uh, universe. Scooby-Doo. LeBron James. Yep. But, you know, Space Jam. Gandalf, LeBron I James. think, is in Shh. that game? Uh, I, okay. I don't yeah, know about well, it's, that. It's, it's Warner, Warner Brothers. It's anything Taz, that's a w Warner Brothers property. Morty, Rick, uh, Gizmo, and Stripe. Black Adam. Yeah, there's a... Um, this is... Multiverses is a Smash Bros. Yeah, uh, effectively, clone, it's Smash Bros. Just, just with FYI, different characters. Which is not a fighting game. Smash Bros. not a fighting game. Uh, right. Okay. We can call it whatever you want to call it. It's a different thing. It's a competitive it's a versus platform fighter game. Okay. Anyway, all right, never mind. That was a weird side note because I just remembered that game existed. I never well, played it. Sort of exists, I guess. 
Not anymore. I don't know. We'll Who see. knows? Maybe maybe it'll come out and be amazing and require us to revamp this list. Anyway, my uh, honorable yeah. mentions here, um, some of which we've already talked about, Smash Bros. series, uh, Apex Legends we mentioned, PUBG, Heroes of New Earth, we talked about all that stuff already. Uh, Hearthstone you mentioned, I'm going to say specifically beta or right away at launch Hearthstone. Oh yeah. Um, that's when I enjoyed Hearthstone, and then after that they balanced all the fun out of it, just like they do with every single Blizzard game for me. Um, like it at launch, and then they balance all the fun out of it. Speaking of Overwatch, man, I loved Overwatch when it launched for about three months, and then it wasn't fun after that, because um, they took away what was fun. Uh, other handful of games I really like here of uh, competitive multiplayer, Towerfall Ascension's really good. Uh, that's an archery game, side-scrolling archery game. Uh, Chivalry 2 is a really fun uh, medieval battler game. It's fun. Tribes Ascend, no one's playing that anymore, but it's a really fun sci-fi shooter with unique skating mechanics. Um, uh, the Uncharted series multiplayer, 2, 3, and 4, uh, those were all really fun. And then from the same studio, uh, The Last of Us 1 multiplayer was really, really good. Very unique. Uh, I do have one more that I'm going to add because I apparently put it on the wrong list, and that oh. is Warcraft 3 Frozen Throne. Oh, okay. Yeah. There was also a, a MOBA version of that game that I remember playing as well. Yeah, Dota. That's, the that's what Dota, Dota was. The original. Yeah, original Dota is a, is a Warcraft 3 mod. Yep. That was a lot of fun. I remember playing it. And all those characters are built off of Warcraft characters. One of them is a Hydralisk from StarCraft. Which is pretty cool. Viper. Not Viper, sorry. Venomancer. Misspoke. Mm -hmm. Viper's a different thing. Also you a poison guy. Additional anyway, I can't, you cannot get me starting on Dota characters. Let's make a unified list. Okay, uh, I'm going to vote Dota gets removed from this list because you hate this game. <laughs> I don't hate the game. I hate the people that play the game. It's an incredible video game. How can you call this the best it's versus... The best, it's the best multiplayer video game. No, it's not. Yeah, it is. It, if it if it literally won't be played by you because of the toxicity of the people playing it, that cannot be the best game. It cannot be the best if the best part about it or the the one key thing about it, the versus play, is but if a you're terrible playing, experience. If you're playing with good people, it's very good. That is such an asterisk. You literally won't even play this game anymore. How no, can you call it number one? Because I played it for fifteen hundred hours. I had my okay. time with it, you know? All right, fine. Put it at number two, and we'll just casually slide Halo to at number one and call it a day. Let's cut Mario Party. Uh, as long as you do what I just said, I'm okay with that. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. You can, you can have Halo. That's fine. Halo's, I was really, gonna... hey, Halo's really good. <laughs> Where's your defense now? Ah! <laughs> here's the thing ultimately you're right i can't defend dota all that much it's still the best video game but also it's yeah. a video game that people shouldn't play so you know there's a kind of a conflict there so i'm gonna push for super smash melee being number three here and uh i don't you're probably gonna fight me on that so let's uh let's talk about War, it warzone's better than melee warzone warzone's, warzone's better, better than, than melee. what makes it better than melee 
uh because uh so in well and and specifically here what my argument is is like year one war zone let's say um 18 years later i mean well compared to smash sure um smash is an incredible video game it's very very good um warzone you could just get into shenanigans in warzone that just aren't possible in most other video games and you can just come up with goofy things that your team goes and it's like okay here's what we're gonna do in war in this match of warzone uh, the idea is like okay we just come up with different ideas of how you want to play the game and they're maybe not even the best here's because here's the thing that's really fun about it it's fun even if you're not winning you're not gonna win 95 percent of the time or more you know but the game is still fun even when you're not winning you just come up with different um this is a way you can play is you come up with different rule sets for yourself while you're playing, which is like, okay, we're going to drop in wildly different locations on the map and see if we can make it to each other without dying. We're not even necessarily trying to pick fights. We're just trying to survive to make it to each other at some kind of central location. And then, and then sometimes a lot of times those go bad and you end up dying really early, but sometimes you do it and you're like, wow, we actually made it to like top five. That's crazy. Um, and you just you come out of different uh you come out of different matches with crazy experiences of like okay we got we ended up in the middle of literally five or six different squads fighting each other at once and somehow we came out of that with everyone else is dead besides us and that truly feels incredible it is so much fun and and not to say that smash bros is not fun love smash bros it's a very good video game but you just don't kind of have you don't have those kinds of experiences the smash bros experience is pretty much always the same experience yeah i guess there is a lot more variability in warzone and i would argue that there's a reason that i have downloaded and well minimally played but played at least some of this game right there's an appeal there um I know there is a lot of replayability to Smash as well sure. with the, the various stages, the various characters you can choose, like I was I've, saying. I've the, spent the items. I've definitely spent more time playing the Smash Bros. series than I have playing Warzone. But have I played more Warzone than Melee specifically? Absolutely. Well, it's not like I could have put the entire Smash series on here as a right. single of course. entry. Of course. I had to pick one. Hmm. Uh, I'll concede Smash behind Warzone as long as Titanfall is 5. Well, there's no other places for it to go, so yes. <laughs> I'm just saying I'm not going to concede it past that. That's fair. That okay. is fair. Let's do it. I feel like this is a pretty strong list. And yeah, unfo unfortunately... A lot of twos. This list is done, and so I'm just going to throw it out there. Halo 2, in its standard form, really does not exist anymore. Xbox Live was discontinued back in, what, 2010? Something like that? No, later than that, I think. Mm, whatever. It was discontinued. So, Halo 2, not really feasible in the way that it used to be, because it used to have matchmaking. That you could play online and yeah. it was like rank based and there's a lot of fun times to be had there 
Well, if you want to play pretty close to Halo 2, you can get in the Halo 2 multiplayer hopper for in uh, uh, the Master Chief collection. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of that stuff in there. Maybe I should look at that later. I think there's still a good amount of people there. More people will be playing Halo Infinite now because that's the actual new Halo game. Um, Right. And the the multiplayer for that is free to play. Um, Oh, even better. But, uh, you know, Master Chief Collection does have hoppers for those old multiplayers. All right, run it back real quick. All right. uh, Honorary number six, Mario Party 3. Uh, Number five is Titanfall 2 from 2016 from Respawn Entertainment. Number four, 2001, Super Smash Bros. Melee from HAL Laboratory. Number three, Modern Warfare 2019 slash Warzone from 2019, uh, made by Infinity Ward. Number two is Dota 2, a video game you should not play, but it's the best, um, from 2011, made by Valve. And Bungie's Halo 2 at number one from 2004. So much fun. Some great video games here. So, so much fun. Did you know that shooting people in a video game is fun? Hmm. I would say three out of our five entries are FPS, and and then there's Smash and Dota, <laughs> and they're spaced evenly at one, three, and five. It's it's got a good symmetry. It's nice. It's a good list. It's all a right. Let's make another list. list. Yeah, let's do it. I think we're, we're, making, we start we're with, making decent time here. Let's start with you, number five. Uh, number five in the co-op list uh, is a video game I don't think you've played. It is Cook, Serve, Delicious 3. Uh, Never helped. even heard of this. Uh-huh. 2020 video game from Vertigo Gaming. Uh, Cook, Serve, Delicious is a cooking game series uh, where this is... this differ- like Overcooked? Uh, so, as literally my, my next thing in my notes here, this differs significantly from other popular games in the genre like Overcooked. Um, you're not actually controlling character movement here. This is more based around managing a list of orders that are coming in, picking one from the list, and preparing the food before serving it. The actual food preparation involves reading the recipe pre- and then pressing distinct button combinations to add the correct requested ingredients and take the actions to prepare the food. For example, if you pull an order for a bacon cheeseburger, you need to start the right amount of patties grilling. Then once those are done... You might be working on something else while the timer is going for the patties to cook. Um, then you reselect the order, add the patties to the bun, and then the bacon, and then the cheese, and then maybe they've requested some other toppings that you're putting in there. And, av- and you have to avoid, pre- you can't just slam on all the buttons because then you're going to add ingredients that um, they didn't ask for and they're not going to be happy with the order. Uh, as you get further in the game, this gets way, way more hectic as you're managing dozens of orders being flung at you rapidly. Uh, so the second game, first game's excellent. Second game added co-op, but the third game is really where it shines. In uh, that one, you're running a food truck instead of a restaurant. Um, and they do some fun mechanics around that. So they have a new thing called holding stations, and these require you to prepare specific types of food while you're driving to your next destination. Nice. Um, And that's usually things that you need a lot of and are typically the same. So, for example, you might prepare a big pot of soup that takes a while to make. um, And then customers are ordering individual bowls of the soup. So since you have it already ready, you can just like throw you just throw um, the orders at them. and You don't have to like spend time making each individual bowl of soup. Right. So you're balancing that type of order with the traditional. Okay, I actually have to prepare this cheeseburger, you know. 
or uh, this sushi or whatever, you know? Um, and they have, uh, a whole bunch, they have hundreds of different foods in the game that all you make slightly different ways. And there's, uh, they have a difficulty rating on them from zero to five where it's like, oh, if you're making, I don't know, a French toast or not French toast, like a grilled cheese, the grilled cheese is going to be the exact, you make it the exact same way every time. And it's totally, you don't have to think about it. You just slam on the buttons in the right order and you can't mess it up. Um, Whereas, like, if you're making a sushi or, like, a deluxe ba- a deluxe baked potato or something, so things with, like, a million different ingredients in them um, that you have to prepare a very specific way, those are way harder and take you a lot more time to parse as you read through and go, okay, they want this on there and this and this, and then I gotta roll it up and then I gotta cut it 12 times and all that stuff. So, hmm. it's a really fun game. Uh, it gets very frantic and where this um where the co-op really shines i think is when you have two people it makes that level of franticness a little more manageable as each of you can focus on different types of orders while helping each other out when one specific area gets too frantic i play a lot of this with my wife and so i'll focus on those holding station orders while she's handling the traditional ones and then if I get caught up, then I'll go help her there. Or if, if you know, she'll be like, oh, I'm, we're going to lose these orders because I can't get these done fast enough. And I'll stop what I'm doing and help out with her side of things. It's a really good teamwork thing. It's just a lot of fun. Food preparation. Interesting. Yeah, I like I, the concept behind this, the cooperative really working together to supply things from a food truck. Uh, I just never really enjoyed playing games where I have to do things in a certain order, like prepare food, like you were saying sequentially and then kick it out and then do it again. That just doesn't really interest me. I don't really That's like fair. competing against time for something like that. I, uh, I like this game a bunch for that. They got specifically. A, they got a new one coming out. Um, I want to say like this month or like this week, maybe even it's called cook serve forever is the new game. So, sounds like it'll be the last one if that's the case. Or is the next one Cook Serve Five ever? I'll buy that one eventually, probably. Mm. What's your number five? My number five is a game that we've both played. In fact, we've played it together. I don't it believe is you. Rock Band. Oh, I didn't even really think about this as a as a co-op. How game. did you not think about this? I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Two thousand eight. Yeah, well, it, something like that. It exists for 360, PS2, PS3, the Wii. So it's by Harmonix. 2007, with an X. Was close. So the game allows up to four players to simulate the performance of popular rock songs by playing with controllers that are modeled after musical instruments. Players can play the lead guitar, bass guitar, and drum parts to songs with instrument controllers as well as sing through a usb microphone which is really just matching pitch to the the singer but um in in this case i was big into guitar hero for a very very long time i mostly consider that a single player i do recognize that there is a you can play two player on guitar hero but it really wasn't meant to be played two player and that that is distinctly a competitive thing too it it for sure is, yeah. And and I thought about that because I have competed in Guitar Hero tournaments sure. back in the day. I have um, also. But uh, Rock Band was the cooperative game because I there were multiple parties like this where I would go 
and I would play the the guitar and I remember like you were always pretty good at the drums um and we had various other people in our group that would play on the the other instruments um and I just remember the song list being pretty darn good for for this first game um especially considering it came out after Guitar Hero and Guitar Hero 2 and maybe Maybe right around the time Guitar Hero 3 came out, Rock Band was introduced, and that was what included all these other instruments. Yeah, um, well, Carmonix made Guitar Hero 1 and 2, and then a different studio made 3. That's right, yeah. So for, for Rock Band, um, the, some of the key songs that I remember, Black Hole Sun, fantastic song. Uh, Ballroom Blitz by Sweet, I really like that song. Uh, of course, Dead on Arrival by Fall Out Boy, your favorite. Uh, Don't Fear the Reaper, Foreplay, Long Time. Song. Also a good song. Uh, Run to the Hills. Also a good Tom song. Tom Sawyer. Yeah, there's a lot of good songs uh, this. Welcome Home by Coheed and Cambria. And Won't Get Fooled Again. So, yeah, some, those are just a few of the memorable songs, but there were a lot of them. And there were some that had some insane drum parts. And watching you play the drums and then just playing the drums myself it's like man there's some serious coordination here with that foot pedal and it takes a lot of practice but it is really fun especially for the drum portion because that wasn't really a thing on guitar hero originally um i think it got added later and their drum stack was different but the the original rock band drum set was i think just four four pads um yeah so yeah a lot of fun a lot of really good times playing with other people on this game um and just hearing the music that we love and pretending to play instruments and being a rock band it's like living out your your dream and without actually having to be knowledgeable on any kind of instruments Uh, I want to give a quick shout out here. If you are a hankering for still playing some of these kinds of games and you have uh, some of those plastic instruments still lying around, there's I a do. PC game you can get called Clone Hero that oh, yeah. uh, allows you to put kind of whatever songs you want mostly into the game and play those. And I play a lot of that and it's very good. I have an actual electronic drum kit that I have hooked up to that, and you can play that uh, with an actual drum kit. Like a MIDI drum kit? Yeah. Nice. That's sweet. I'm going to be playing that next time I come over, which will be next month. Indeed. What's your number four? My number four is a little game called Warframe from Digital Extremes. Originally came out in 2013, but has changed a whole bunch since then. Uh, so Warframe is a really weird game. I, I bounced off it pretty hard the first couple of times I tried it, but it was ultimately the co-op experience that actually sold me on the game. Uh, it's a sci-fi shooter with a big emphasis on resource collecting, really fast movement, and lots of repeatable, mostly fast missions. Um, the story is not what you're here for. There's barely any story in the game. It's all about that gameplay. Uh, there's tons of different Warframes you can play as. So th- think of them like different characters with different ability sets and strengths, even though you're technically the same character inhabiting the different frames. 
so there's hundreds of different primary and secondary guns to unlock and build, as well as melee weapons, pets, robot companions, and tons and tons and tons of other stuff. Everything also levels up independently the more you use it, and you're encouraged to max them all out to become more and more powerful over time. Uh, and there's you can eventually get like different mods that you're putting onto the weapons, you're building each weapon, your frame, each gun, your sword. Everything's got different unique types of mods you can put on them, so you can build each component of your setup a different way. And once you get going and you really start your collection going and, and getting lots of different types of equipment and everything, uh, it's uh, you can just become ludicrously powerful and do a lot of really fun stuff. So there's, there's tons and tons of great content here, and it's all way, way more fun when you're teaming up with your friends to go out, shut your brain off, and just tear through tons of aliens. Uh, it's a lot of fun. And again, this is one that like I think the co-op is really what sold me here because I didn't enjoy it at all when I was trying to play it by myself at first. But getting into it with friends who already knew what they were doing and kind of brought me in and playing with them was just tons of fun. This is another one that I have probably like 700 hours in or something like that. Warframe 700 hours is a lot. 734 hours in Warframe. It's a lot. It's a pretty good video game and it's free. That's also pretty cool. Yeah. Of course, there's so like paid the, stuff in it. You can like. I was gonna buy say there's it. like it's a freemium game, right? Yeah. So it's really unique in that um, platinum is the premium currency, just like most of the free to play games have a premium currency. But you can, they have like our open marketplace in the game where you can sell stuff that you get in the game to other players for the premium currency. So you can. And and most players do that. So you can, if you you know run something and get a draw, get a mod drop that was really rare. That's not really something you care about using, but somebody does. You know, it's a it's a it's a really rare one, so somebody wants it. You could potentially sell that for like many dollars worth of the premium currency, and then you can turn around and use that on stuff you actually care about. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So I have put money into the game, certainly, um, but it's one that. Um, it, I felt good about putting money in the game. It's like, I'm having a ton of money with this game. The developers of this deserve some of my... Uh, I'm having a ton of fun with this game. I mean, the developers deserve... Like, I feel good about paying for some of this experience. Sure. Yeah, I've been there. But yeah, Warframe. That's my number four. What do you got? Cool. Never really played it. Familiar with the game. Sounds like fun. Not really my cup of tea, but that's fun. They're making a new game called Soul Frame, and it's this but fantasy, and that I'm interested in. I bet you are. Maybe I'll check it out then. My number four is a little game called Zombies Ate My Neighbors. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I was thinking back on games that I played as, you know, in my childhood growing up. And this was one that the babysitter happened to have. And I remember playing the crap out of this game. Um, I wasn't very good at it as a kid. And so we would use the Game Genie, which would allow us to connect the, this was on the SNES, sure, and uh, connect the Game Genie, put in a couple codes from the Game Genie book, and those would modify the game to give us either extra health, more weapons, more ammo, um, 
But anyway, so for those uh, unfamiliar with the game Zombies Ate My Neighbors on the SNES, which is a LucasArts slash Konami game, um, two players take control of the protagonists, Zeke and Julie, in order to rescue the titular neighbors from monsters that are often seen in horror films. So you have a variety of power-ups and weapons that are available to you that will aid you in your journey. And uh, this was a generally well-received game, and it's because of its graphical style. Uh, there's some humor kind of based into the game, and uh, there's quite a bit of gameplay. It's, it's pretty deep, so people like that. Um, so Julie and Zeke navigate uh, all types of levels, uh, suburban neighborhoods, shopping malls, pyramids, haunted castles, other areas. And, and they're destroying a variety of horror movie monsters, like vampires, werewolves, demonic babies, uh, which are huge, spiders, squid men, evil dolls, aliens, UFOs, giant ants, uh, blobs, giant worms, mummies, chainsaw-wielding maniacs, pod people, which are aggressive alien clones of the players, and the game's namesake, of course, zombies. So in each of the 48 stages, which includes seven optional bonus levels, the stages. players... Yeah, deep gameplay. The players must rescue numerous types of neighbors, including barbecue chefs, teachers, babies, tourists, archaeologists, soldiers, dogs, and cheerleaders. Uh, and once all the neighbors on a level have been killed by zombies or saved by the players touching them, a door opens that will take the player to the next stage. And there are various items that the player can pick up along the way. Uh, and that includes keys that open up doors, health packs that restore health, and potions with various effects such as increasing speed or uh, transforming the player into a powerful monster temporarily. Uh, and players can also collect various types of weapons such as an Uzi water gun, uh, bazookas, weed whackers, explosive soda cans, ice pops, tomatoes, silverware, dishes, ancient crucifixes, flamethrowers, fire extinguishers, and Martian bubble guns, e <clears throat> each with their own effectiveness against certain types of enemies. So, the, the weird combination of seeing some of these creatures, which are not really meant to be scary, it's more like cartoonish in the way that it's portrayed and then the quote-unquote weapons that you're given to battle each of these monsters like i said explosive soda cans like that's just fun it's just creative in the way that they did it and overall it just results in a just really cool gameplay and for so for two people working together to save the neighborhood playing this game one player is possible but is way more fun with two people working yeah, I've together i've never played this single player oh really okay yeah wow also i think you're leaving out some critical information here uh can you tell the audience what the name of the villain in this game is <clears throat> why, why would i want to do that you should do that you should tell them what the name of the villain is in this video game i'm drawing a blank dr Mm. it's dr tongue dr tongue yeah okay yep that's all 
I forgot about that, that. That's all I need to say about that. I don't get it. What are you, what are you trying to say? What's wrong with Dr. Tongue? Dr. Tongue. Yeah, I, I don't understand. What's, uh, what's wrong with that? No comment. I don't, I don't know. Did uh, the, the main character uh, that you played as, uh, Zeke, with his 3D glasses, I always thought he looked such, such a cool guy. He's got like that skull shirt and like the spiky hair. He's just kind of cool looking. But, everyone knows that everyone cool wears 3D glasses. You know, that's true. I also think the doll in this, the baby, or the possessed doll, like the Chucky-esque, was always the one of the scariest things that you faced. You know, they're putting Chucky in Dead by Daylight. This is a horror game. Another well, competitive game. Huh. Really? Yep. Hmm. Dr. Tongue. Yeah, I forgot about that. Not in Dr. Tongue, not in Dead by Daylight. Or any other video game, to my knowledge. Should be in multiverses. But it's we'll not. See. We'll see. The, uh, the other thing that I remember most about this game is the cheerleaders. Because there were episodes, or episodes, there were levels where it was all cheerleaders. And you had to serve the cheerleader, you know, save the cheerleader, save the world. I've heard that somewhere. Yeah, I don't remember where. Um, But I remember they would jump on trampolines or like... I, I remember getting pissed off playing this game thinking, you see these monsters too, right? Why aren't you running? Why aren't you moving away from the bad? Instead, you're just jumping up and down, cheering. Listen, like, Super Nintendo, not a lot of AI. No, that's true, but... Huh. At that time. A lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Good gameplay. Pretty creative. You should play it. Play against Dr. Dr. Tongue. I have played it many, many years ago. Oh, what's your number? What are we on? Three? Your number three. three. My number three is a game, a first person shooter from a very, um, uh, not a very well known series. Uh, it's called Halo 3. Mm -hmm. Uh, You might have heard of it. Halo, Halo. Came out in 2007 yeah. on the Xbox 360 from a little studio called Bungie. No, no, not ringing any bells. Uh, so this is the best co-op shooting campaign, period. Uh, Halo started as a co-op series, but it didn't go to four players at once until Halo 3, and it was a really great change. Um, tearing around in the campaign maps with four people is a really, it's a really good time. Um, Turns out, it, yeah, it adds a lot to the gameplay to be able yeah. to have four people controlling various aspects, vehicles and controls within, you know, the overall universe. It's pretty fun. It should be clear. I've, I've been through this campaign multiple times. I've done it solo. I've done it with two people. I've done it with four people. Uh, four people just adds an element of chaos that you don't get with two people or solo or just things go crazy. <laughs> just guns flying around and rockets and especially i think the most notable most memorable stuff for me from this campaign co-op specifically is the vehicle levels loading everybody up into multiple cars especially the warthog just cruising around shooting guys yeah. or you get like the rocket warthogs um those are a lot of fun and 
the warthog especially is the most fun vehicle because legendarily the physics on the warthog are just wonky enough they're um, not gonna say terrible they're wonky right and so they're just wonky enough to lead to a lot of goofy shenanigans of the vehicle just like bouncing around and you ram them into each other and they go flying and it's very silly uh it's also probably the best campaign in the series overall, and it avoid it does that by avoiding a lot of the more annoying levels that pop up in most of the other Halo series, like notably Halo One, the library, you know, um, <clears throat> not not Bungie's finest moment there, but yeah, playing the final level in this game in co-op is maybe my favorite thing um in all of halo uh it's just a great chaotic time as you're driving along if you played that last level in in halo you're driving along these like massive structures that are collapsing and stuff's falling down everywhere and you're just kind of like panic driving your vehicles out of there and just having the four people cruising around ramming into each other as you're trying to get out of there it's just it's a really good time like i said before shout out to the battle rifle the best gun in halo that isn't the halo one pistol and also want to say shout out to Halo 3 ODST, the second best co-op campaign in Halo. Yeah, I, I've, uh, I have nothing to add to that. I think that was, it's a great game. Also, also man, that Halo 2 legendary co-op is just brutal. <laughs> the stupid jackal snipers will one-shot you every time. Yeah. Come around a corner uh, dead instantly. Oh my god. Halo 2 co-op is the one I've played the most because, I mean, that's the game we played pretty much for all of high school. Um, at, at the end of, you know, playing multiplayer, we would sit back and have, everybody splits out and does their own thing. Inevitably, somebody would be like, I'm going to play through the campaign of Halo 2. And like, yeah, all right, I'll do it this time. And so I've done that one the most. But I agree, Halo 3 is quite good. I, I was... I was struggling to remember the end of Halo 3 because I'm trying to remember if I actually made it through the entire campaign on Halo 3. Well, uh, you, uh, the things are collapsing and you're driving a warthog and the music goes da-da-da-da, 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 you know. I feel like, like that like music Halo happens does. a lot, yeah. <laughs> you know, as you do. Halo 3 campaign is very good. Uh, I, I went through this, uh, actually all the Halo um, games in the Master Chief collection with some friends a couple years ago um, and got the whole squad together to do Halo 3 because um, that's the one that has four people. And boy, anytime we got in a vehicle, someone just starts going da 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 because that's mm. the Halo theme that plays nice. a lot in the more dramatic sequences. Some, Gl- some good goofy fun. Glad I was invited to that. <laughs> We had four people, sorry. Yeah, okay. What's your number hey, three? We, hey, we should play through the Halo 3 campaign yeah, sometime. I'd play that. Okay, sounds good. It's good. My number three, a game you've never played, Minecraft on the PC by Mojang Studios. So, I, I don't really feel like I need to explain minecraft too much but I, i'll explain at least a little bit it's the top selling video game of all time by it is, yes orders of magnitude over 300 million copies sold truly absurd 
nearly 140 million monthly active players as of 2023. That is an insane amount. And when it comes to the game itself, right? It's a it's a sandbox game, right? So it it can be whatever you want. But the fact that he made it in Java, I I feel like that he gets a special medal for that uh, notch, as it were. Um, I don't I don't enjoy programming in Java. It's, it's definitely not my favorite. But uh, but anyway, in case you're living under a rock, uh, Minecraft players explore a blocky, procedurally generated three-dimensional world with virtually infinite terrain. And players can discover and extract raw materials, craft tools and items, build structures, earthworks, machines. And depending on the chosen game mode, players can fight hostile mobs as well as cooperate with uh, or compete against other players in the same world. So multiplayer in Minecraft enables um, multiple players to interact and communicate with each other on a single world, and it is available through direct game-to-game player, LAN, local, uh, servers, etc. Most of my time spent playing Minecraft, especially in the early days when it was just the vanilla, was all cooperative. I would say out of every world I've created and been a part of, uh, nine times out of ten, we don't progress and kill the Ender Dragon. It's just not a goal. It is not the point of us playing that game. Um, Sometimes it happens, but most of the time that was not what we were trying to do it was gathering all the different types of resources sorting things into chests building a new base oh where are we going to build a base this time oh let's do a floating island base or let's do build into the side of a mountain or you know let's let's build a pyramid or some kind of sky you know castle i don't know and the fact that you can do this with another person. And, you know, there's one friend in particular that he and I spent a lot of time in this game together. He's the one that really introduced me to it. And, you know, he he lived with me for a period, so we spent quite a bit of time playing games together, and this was definitely on the rotation. Um, but we didn't always just play the vanilla version of the game and, you know, it's progressed so far. It's hard for me to know exactly where this game is now because I really haven't played any of the most recent releases. And there's a number of creatures and, I guess, new monsters and things in the game that I just don't play with and understand because I just am not caught up. But um, that being said, there were a number of mods that we've tried over the years that completely changed the gameplay and experience on this. and because it's a sandbox game and because you can pretty much make it however you want to make it, these mods add a, a ton of different new gameplay and, and mechanics to it that I feel like are worth noting. So a couple of ones that I, I'll point out. Uh, biomes plenty. You get more newer types of biomes. It's more customizable. It also allows you to make the biomes larger, smaller, more sporadic, less sporadic, however you want to do it. Um, Pixelmon, which is effectively Pokemon, but in Minecraft. So you can be Ash and run around and catch Pokemon, and there's battles, and I, I just, I thought that was really cool. Wait, Legendary you like a Pokemon-themed thing? Abyssalcraft. That, that one's based around HP Lovecraft. 
um, the Cthulhu Mythos. So you can get the Necronomicon, and you have to create a summoning circle, and you gather more intelligence and start going deeper and deeper and unleashing demons and stuff. It's pretty cool. Uh, equivalent exchange, which was a lot of fun, and mechanisms, so like gathering, creating a quarry, which automatically mines, you know, X by X area all the way down, and from there, it with the mechanism mod, it takes all your two your uh, resources that you mine and sends them through the the tube sorting machine and puts it into the appropriate chest and as you need resources you don't have to gather them yourself anymore you've got automated ways of doing that or you can have automated farms or you know for veggies or for animals and there's a lot of different really interesting ways that you can make this game unique but it's the cooperative it's the playing together to achieve a common goal that really makes this that much more fun. I've done single player. It's not as good. You really benefit so much more from having other people in the same server for a game. And, and that's why Minecraft ended up as number three on my list. That's fair. Uh, while, you know, Minecraft wildly popular, totally get why people like it. It's not, it's not my thing. I played maybe 20-ish hours of beta Minecraft and had, you know, made some projects and stuff. Had a decent enough time and never really went back. Other games that operate in a similar space, like a, let's say, a Terraria, for example, that I like dramatically more. Terraria not on my list, notably. But a good game. Fair enough. But those themes of uh, collaboratively building towards something, we might hear about a little bit later on my list. Well, how about your number two, which is, you know, next. Next is not that. Um, Next is a game called Monster Hunter World from 2018, developed by Capcom. I don't think you've played this. Uh, Nope, but I am familiar with it. So Monster Hunter, one of the most popular co-op series in the whole world, especially Japan, If you're not familiar, the game is based around wielding large weapons to hunt giant monsters for components, which are then used to make better weapons and armor to hunt better better and bigger monsters. Monster Hunter World is the peak of the series for me, with a a great new, more high-fidelity art style, uh, better controls, and much, much better multiplayer features. Monster Hunter, for a long, long time, was mostly on like Nintendo handhelds, uh, and then PSP before that. Uh, and, uh, if you've had, uh, multiplayer experiences on those devices, usually not the best, uh, world brought, uh, the series to proper, uh, major consoles for the first time in a very, very long time. Um, and also eventually to PC and boy, this, this game is so incredibly good. There's a large variety of weapons, and with up to four players, you can have a really diverse party lineup. However, unlike a lot of RPG multiplayer RPGs, you aren't really required to have an optimal party composition. Everyone can kind of just bring their favorite weapon and go to town, and then you, you'll be able to get stuff done. Part of what makes this such a good co-op game is that these hunts are much longer than fighting a single monster is in most games. Think of each hunt like an extended boss fight. 
they often take 30 minutes or more for some of the tougher fights. You spread out over the map to find the monster you're looking for, and once someone finds it, everybody kind of converges on the monster, runs in from all the different side areas of the map to, to get in on the fight. Typically, after fighting for a while, a monster will try to get away, and you have to chase it down and continue the fight. There's a lot of teamwork involved, and some weapons even allow you to do things like give buffs to other party members. There's also a great rhythm to sessions in the game. You start off in town, you figure out what you as a group want to go after, who needs what kind of parts and everything. Oh, we, we need to go after, I need a Diablos horn, so we have to go fight a Diablos, and okay, there's one in this area we can go after, let's queue that up and I'll go out. I need the I need his horn, so we need to make sure that we break the horn before we kill it, so we make sure that the horn is going to drop, you know, going one of those kind of things. Oh, it's actually I I didn't realize there was that level of Well, there there is a limited amount of that. Um there's there's a specific set of breaks and cuts on each monster that sometimes the get breaking the right part or cutting the tail off or something like that is the only way you can get it. Sometimes it just makes it more likely. Um so it depends on depends on the monster. Um, so not, you can't cut off every monster's tail, for example, but there's a bunch of them you can. Not every monster has horns you can break off, but a bunch of them do. Um, sometimes you can break, like, their back armor, or you can break, um, the, like, the armor on their face, that kind of stuff. Hmm. Um, so, so you're talking about Monster Hunter Online, or... No, Monster Hunter Online was a different video game. This is Monster okay. Hunter World. Monster Hunter Online was like World. a J- J- Japan-only, um, closer to an MMO-ish version of this, but not really. So which, um, which generation is this, then? Monster, Monster Hunter, Hunter World, World started the fifth gen of Monster Hunter. Fifth gen, okay. Um, which we're still technically in. Monster Hunter Rise is the current game, and that um, is also technically a fifth-gen game. Uh, we are expecting, there's some rumors going around right now, that Capcom is going to be announcing soon and releasing early next year the next major Monster Hunter game, which is widely expected to be Monster Hunter World 2, or whatever the equivalent of that looks like, which I'm very excited for. Sweet. But yeah, that's just talking about just like the rhythm of the game. You figure, you know, everybody figures out what they're looking for on the next hunt. And then, you know, sometimes it's like, okay, well, uh, I play this a lot with my friends, Scott, uh, Chris and uh, John. They'd be like, okay, John needs this thing for his next upgrade. So we're going to go after that. Um, we go out, we get, try to get the parts that he's looking for. We do the hunt and then every, then we come back to town. Everyone takes some time to sort through their loot make new gear, figure out what upgrades they want to do, and then we decide on, okay, here's the next goal, we're going to go out and do that next kind of a thing. So, sweet. It's a good good back and forth between, you know, the, the high action to view uh, some more of the downtime, you know, a, a, lot of, a lot of good opportunities for, oh, I didn't get, I'm going to run to the bathroom real quick, or I got to... I want to go grab a snack or something like that. So easy. It's a really easy thing to like come in and out of, um, which, which helps in, in that kind of group co-op setting. Sweet. Yeah. I'm looking at some of the gameplay in this. This looks like it could be a lot of fun. The monster is very good. 
quite entertaining. This is, and again, worth noting here, kind of like I talked about Warframe, I tried, not with World, um, <clears throat> but I tried with previous Monster Hunter games to get in by myself and really didn't enjoy it much at all. But getting into it in that co-op environment with some friends made me go, oh, this is the way that you're supposed to play this game. I understand this game now in a way that I just didn't before. Sweet. Yeah, Monster Hunter World, that's my number two. Scott, what is your number two? My number two is Baldur's Gate <clears throat> Dark Alliance. I'm familiar. 2001. On the PlayStation 2. Although it has been ported to other platforms at this point. Uh, so that's a Black Isle Studios game. It's an action RPG and a hack and slash game. There are three characters that you can choose from a dwarven fighter Cromlech, a human archer Vaughn, or an elven sorceress Adriana. So, in this game, both players share the same screen and are thus limited in how far they can move away from one another. And in co-op mode, the player who makes the kill gets 60% of the experience and the other player gets 40 but whichever player collects any gold drops gets 100% of the value while the other player gets nothing. So uh, in, in this game, the uh, there's a couple different things here. Um, this is a story mode game, so you're working together to progress through the story, and the game contains four difficulty levels, easy, normal, hard, and extreme. Extreme can only be unlocked after the player has beaten the Gauntlet, which is a special mini dungeon unlocked once the player completes the game on any difficulty. And then the Gauntlet can only be played with Drizzit. And Extreme Mode takes the form of a new game plus and can only be played by importing a saved character from another game. So once the player has completed Extreme Mode, Drizzit then becomes available to use in the main game. So there's compounding ways and repetition here to get you even more gameplay out of it. So uh, I'm going to hit some highlights here and I'm going to throw this up here. I know it's a 20 plus year old game at this point, but mild spoilers to the story of the game. Uh, and no more than mild. I'm going to spoil the game. The, so the game begins with Vaughn, Adriana and Cromlech arriving in Baldur's gate, whereupon they are attacked by a group of thieves led by Karn and the City Watch save the trio and then take them to the Elfsong Tavern to recover. And so from there, you are progressing through a storyline of helping clear out a, a cell because you have, or the seller because you have nothing. And so you're like, oh, I'll help you out. So you talk to the barmaid and she's like, go do this thing. And then you've got there's other quests that you're trying to do while you're down there until you ultimately get to Karn, who was the guy that was part of the group of thieves that attacked you. And it turns out he was actually working in tandem with a beholder, Xantum. And then Xantum was guarding a portal, which takes you to the Sunset Mountains, which you then discover a dwarf mining village, which was being oppressed by drow elves. And then there's a call for help you do for other clans. So you light some beacons. Um, you have to fight an ice dragon. And once you defeat the ice dragon, you realize that there's actually another portal. And then from there, you go into the Marsh of Chalimber, 
where you meet Slavos, who tells you about the Onyx Tower and Eldritch the Betrayer. Uh, so you progress through the marshes and, and the areas there to get to Sesseth and the Lizard Army, where you meet the ghost of Keladon, who explains to you that it, Eldritch uh, de- defeated, <clears throat> excuse me, Eldritch's defeat fueled the creation of the Onyx Tower because Eldritch tried to attack Baldur's Gate unsuccessfully twice. Um, and so Eldritch's defeat fueled the creation of the Onyx Tower, gave access to the portals, and then now Eldritch is seeking revenge. And in order to seek revenge, they created a dark alliance between Xantum's guild, the drow that were controlling the mining guild, and Sethith's tribes. Um, and so you have to defeat Eldritch. And so as you defeat her with the tower crumbling, the heroes enter the portal, not knowing where it leads because another portal appears. And it is revealed that Slavos, the guy that told you about the story with the Onyx Tower, actually manipulated you to defeat Eldritch for his unidentified master. And he tells his master that the heroes have died within the tower and Eldritch is, or Eldrith, not Eldrith, I think it's Eldrith. Eldrith for, uh, is no longer an obstacle and as such they can now proceed with their plans. Meanwhile, the trio actually emerges into an unknown forest and are suddenly surrounded by really dark creatures. So, all that is to say, this story, the progression, takes several hours to get through. Uh, you have to work together. You have to come up with the best strategies. You can only play just two of the characters. So one of you is is probably going to be the the fighter, and then the other person's probably going to be the sorceress. The archer was okay, but not as easy to control the arrows as it is to do some of those other weapons. So archer don't have fireball. Looked. It's true. And uh, the dwarf had some really cool axes and stuff that he could use. Um, so as you're working together, you're, you're creating the best strategies to defeat each of these characters. Because there's like, there's different levels you're clearing. There's mini bosses. There's actual bosses. And there's strategies to be had for each of these, right? And there's like saving and recalling back to town and re-gearing yourself and making sure that you've got the latest up-to-date weapons. And then beyond that, it's dividing up loot because only one person gets the loot, like I said. So you've got a disparity between how much each of you has and you're looking at it thinking, oh, we can get better armor for me or, oh, you can get this weapon and that will increase, you know, XYZ stat for you. And so it's, it. there's a lot of manipulation that needs to take place for you to figure out what is the best strategy where am i going to put my talent points to make my character more powerful what are we going to do with our money and our resources that are available to us and and ultimately how are we going to progress through this storyline and i have played through this game so many times and it is infinitely better with a second person i mean it's it's not even comparable it's just so much more fun yeah, with one player, you can get all the upgrades for yourself and make your character the best ever, but it almost becomes too easy at that point. When you're playing with someone else and you've got to make sacrifices where only one of you gets some armor upgrades, that's a big deal. And and it plays into the way that you strategize. Like, no, we actually need to get more 
mana potions because otherwise you're going to run out of this during this fight and that that plays a, a pretty big role so a lot of strategy involved the storyline is very good the the gameplay itself is really good from that kind of like third third party like bird's eye isometric view i really like that and uh yeah i've played this game multiple times so and including one playthrough with my son and he really enjoyed it as well so i'd say that that speaks to the longevity of the game that that was uh 2 years ago i think we did that during uh like a christmas break where i had multiple days off for work and i'm like all right we're playing this game and we played it for Give like the whole week you some education it was fun yeah Baldur's gate dark alliance have you played this game I've played some. I've not played through the whole thing. Um, never owned it or anything, but um, you know, it's a uh, my my alliance my my allegiances um, in this kind of game on console uh, was more along the lines of like an X Men Legends uh, or eventually like a Marvel Ultimate Alliance, which is uh, very similar gameplay to this, but uh, instead of fantasy, it is superheroes. Right. Both my siblings and I played a whole lot of X-Men Legends 1 and 2 on the GameCube. So, coming out right around the same time as these. Sweet. Uh, so, that was my number two. That leaves only one, one game left for each of us. So, yep. why don't you kick it off, round out this list, and we'll wrap it up here. All right, uh, my number one is very different from all the other games that we've talked about. This is 2016's Factorio from Wuba Software. Mm. You know, we've talked about this game. We sure have. Hey, Factorio is so fucking good. Oh, my God. Uh, it is such a great game that it spawned an entirely new genre of video game. Um, so the pitch is this. You've crash-landed on an alien planet full of alien bugs called Biters. All you have is a pickaxe and a pistol, and you've got to build a rocket ship to take you home. It is a top-down 2D game, and the core loop is built around harvesting resources like iron, copper, coal, etc., building structures to process these, and then using those materials to make higher-tech things. It's all about automation and designing an ever-expanding factory and researching more and more advanced technology until you can eventually build that new ship. So here's some early workflow, like very beginning of the game. You kind of harvest some iron and copper, and then you can make drillers that are coal-powered. You can put the drillers down on the iron or copper nodes or even some coal. Um, you feed the coal into the drillers, and then those start drilling those resources for you. Eventually, you can then build uh, conveyor belts you can with iron you can have the drills output directly the ore onto the conveyor belts and then those belts take those resources to the furnaces where you can have uh grabber arms take the ore off the belts move it into the furnace along with some coal and then that smelts into plates you can take the plates onto other belts feed those over into an assembler machine 
Um, and maybe that assembler machine is taking the iron plates and turning those into iron gears. And then you can feed the gears and more of the iron plates into another assembler machine, and then that's going to turn those into more belts, so you don't have to build the belts on your own anymore um, and have that just get handled for you. And then repeat that process for hundreds and hundreds of other types of resources and equipment and materials, and you're developing different kinds of different colors of science. Uh, you start off with the basic red science, and then that upgrades to you get green science going, and then you get uh, access to all different kinds of new technology. Um, and just the ever-expanding nature of the factory and new things to research and new things to develop and automate is just endlessly fascinating to my brain anyway. Um, and a lot of other people, this, this uh, genre oh, yeah. is pretty popular. So uh, on top of that, then you're managing things like power, scouting new resources, and defending your base from hostile alien attacks. It's a really incredible single-player game, but it really shines in multiplayer, I think. You can split up tasks, handle different types of base expansion. For example, I've played a lot of Factorio with my friend Chris, who thank Chris previously on the show. Um, you know, we, we would have, you know, one person who's developing, working on developing and automating the new production of the new, whatever our next tier of science is. And then I might be working on that. And then Chris might be working on fixing on problems with the power grid and upgrading the amount of power that we're producing to, uh, to run all of the new facilities that we've spun up. But then we've got alien attacks going off. So then we drop what we're doing. We go load up into our custom tanks that we've built and customized. And we drive out in our tanks and go lay waste to all the aliens that are attacking us. Um, and you can build automated like turret defense systems and build a whole wall around the whole factory and have automated facilities that are building bullets for the turrets and then conveyor belts that are feeding those into the whole perimeter of turrets. And it's a whole crazy thing. Uh, Factorio is really, really good. There's a lot of interesting work simulation that can be done with this. And yeah. efficiencies and creating even more efficient setups that feed even more efficient conveyors and simulations. and pro like There's just almost an infinite number oh, of yeah. ways that you can put it all together and achieve yeah. the ultimate goal. You can, uh, if you go over to the Factorio subreddit, it is just chock full of different custom designs that people have made for ways to produce different types of resources. Um, you know, how different people going like, okay, I want to make this facility in the smallest geographical footprint I possibly can. So what kind of design can I do to cram all this in as much as I can? It's really fascinating to see. You can have theoretically over a hundred people playing in one game at once. That would be uh, insane. I have only ever done two people at once, but uh, you know, you can the game supports way, way more than that. Um, I imagine you have to have a pretty good internet connection to host the server running that many people at once. How many uh, hours of gameplay do you have in Factorio? Uh, let's take a look. It's a whole bunch. A whole bunch. Factorio, I have 351 hours in Factorio. It's pretty good. Probably half of that is in co-op. So. It's pretty good. Considering how many different games you play and the amount of time that you spread it around, I feel like 350 is a lot for you. 
Yeah, I think I picked up this game back in like 2018 or so, and I, I play some of it every year. Also Sweet. want to give a shout out to similar games in the genre that I've enjoyed that have spun off from this. Um, Satisfactory is a first person one of these that is really fun. Um, mm. And it, it's structured a very different way. It's kind of a different thing, but it's still that general idea of you're optimizing a factory and expanding it and everything. And then a newer one that I really have gotten into is um, called Dyson Sphere Program. Which is oh, you, you told me about this. Yeah, this is closer to a factorio, but it takes place over multiple solar systems with the idea of you're working towards the goal of building a Dyson sphere, which if you're not familiar with that concept, it is basically the sh a shell around built around a star that harnesses 100% of the energy output of the star. You know, like a vacuum. Sure. A Dyson vacuum. That's exactly why they call it that. But yeah, uh, Factorio, my number one, the best co-op game ever made. It's very good. What do you got for your number one? My number one will come as no surprise to you. It is Terraria on PC. It's an honorable mention for me. Fair enough. And maybe I'm beating a dead horse here, but this game has extreme replayability. and. The amount of time that it takes just to progress through start to finish, even without any kind of additional mods or anything, it's a good amount of hours to get through a game, a full world of play. And uh, with co-op, there's an even deeper dimension of at least two people, but in some cases, you know, I've had four or five people all playing together on one server and we're just all working towards a goal. Um, and that's killing the moon Lord and then, you know, gearing up appropriately. But there are, there's four main options for, for how you want to build your character. So there's the melee option, there's a ranged, there's magic, and then there's a summoner option which involves utilizing minions to deal damage for you, and then you have a usually a, an alternative means of damage as well. I guess there's also a thrown weapon as a, another option, but that's lesser used. Uh, so in this game, it's a 2D uh, sandbox game, kind of a, a spiritual cousin to Minecraft in a lot of ways, and. It's way more I, of a game than Minecraft. Minecraft is such it, a sandbox where Terraria is like, there are things to do. The game has a lot of things for you to do in it, whereas Minecraft is way more make your own fun, you know? True, yeah. Terraria is way more structured. Oh, yeah, and, absolutely. And there's a, a definite progression within the game. So, you know, early in the game, you're going to explore the world. You're going to gather resources. You're going to build a house. You're going to gather ores. Uh, and build armor and weapons and tools for yourself. Um, you're going to gain life crystals because you want to increase the amount of health that you have. You're going to add NPCs to your, your world, and you do that by adding more rooms to your house so that they have a place to stay. And then NPCs provide uh, different utility for you, potentially. And not all of them are as useful, but... Definitely some of them have specific uses, and 
There's like the merchant, you can just sell things to him, or the nurse, the nurse can heal you. The goblin tinkerer can sell you a specific item that you need in order to combine other items together, which becomes an, an essential thing later. Um, so then you're progressing through bosses, you, you get a house for every NPC, you, know, you enter the corruption, which is a, a portion of the world which has been changed and is expanding and, and corrupting more of the, the world around it over time. Um, you're going to uh, defeat attacking armies. There's going to be random events that occur, and you have to defend your base, and there's going to be armies, goblin armies, for example, that might show up, or pirates, and they're going to invade your base. Um, you're going to visit hell, which is really the underworld. You're going to go all the way to the bottom of the map. Uh, and, you know, you're going to defeat the wall of flesh while you're down there, and you're going to enter hard mode. And now you are roughly halfway through the game, but the first half is much easier and shorter than the second half. So it's not really the true half, but it does. it's a turning point in the game. But, of course, before you do hard mode, there's a number of things you want to do to prepare yourself. And so working together, you're going to... Some of you, some of the time you're going to spend like gathering resources for people. You're going to be targeting specific enemies that exist around the world in various biomes, and and you're going to be collecting uh, specific items for your friend or defeating bosses together. And, and uh, you know, eventually you're going to go into hard mode and you're going to start progressing through all the other areas. And there's new ores that are added, and now there's more needs to be added to your house because there's more NPCs available and you've got to go to the jungle and you've got to defeat Plantera and you've got to go into the temple and you've got to go to the ocean and and then you're progressing and progressing and progressing and slowly building up your arsenal. You're upgrading your weapons and your tools and your armor and discovering class-specific sets of armor that give you additional bonuses and and uh, enabling you to do more things, and you're upgrading your accessory slots, and your accessories are enabling you to do more damage or take more damage if you're like the tank kind of character, or if you're trying to be the healer, which is a form of the magic, like the sorcerer has an option which kind of allows for some level of healing. Like, there's, uh, there's a lot of different ways that you can approach this game um and after you've defeated the lunatic cultist and started the lunar event and defeated the pillars and is spawning the moon lord and you defeat the moon lord at that point you've beat the game effectively but that's only one version of the game one playthrough there's maximizing your character at that point there's you know decorrupting the entire world which takes a significant amount of effort um there's farms to be growing there's items to be procuring that are rare drops or pets or you know various ways of exploring the map to 100 percent. and then beyond that there's expert mode there's master mode um you get and in those modes it's like a fresh world but drop rates are harder there's more enemy health and knockback bosses become like super bosses because they have so much more health and power and additional abilities you lose all your coins when you die instead of just you know dropping a tombstone in your place and returning to base 
Um, or you could play hardcore where you only get one life, and that's even more difficult. So there's there's modifications to the the game by doing those. Those are inherent built-in modes, the expert and master mode. Um, but if you defeat all of that stuff and you beat the whole game and you feel like you could be doing more, there's always T-Mod Loader, which is effectively Terraria Mod Loader. And it allows you to completely revamp the entire game. And so among these, there's like Thorium. Thorium completely adds all new ores and styles of gameplay and bosses and biomes and, you know, revamps a significant portion. It adds a whole bunch of content. Calamity, same thing, but, you know, adds a lot of bosses that are extremely difficult. So if that's the portion of the game you really like, you can add more bosses that are even harder and give you even more challenging ways to play the game. Um, Fargo's mod, another way of changing accessories, and this one's more of a collection thing where you have to find even more unique enemies and get a 1 in 100 drop from those so that you can combine all these things together and make a super accessory which gives your weapons additional powers well above and beyond the abilities of a normal one. Um, there's also like magic storage and other means of like giving you just <clears throat> general uh, quality of life updates. So all in all, that is to say these games, as you're working through them together, having that cooperative gameplay, that that is the only way, I think, to to be able to play this game. Um, playing by yourself, just it's not the same. You really don't enjoy it as much. Working together progressively, defeating bosses together, um, especially in some of those higher difficulties, is so rewarding and so much fun. Um, I At this point, I don't even bother playing the game if I don't have somebody else to play with. But that being said, I have a grand total of 1,300 hours plus into Terraria. So easily my number one pick here and the best cooperative gameplay of any game ever uh, i know you've got some hours into this game oh yeah. it's an honorable mention for you and uh i think your sister is also big into this game at least for a little while i have a um, whole 48 hours in this game well combined with my 1300 that's 1350 <laughs> hours that we have together listen i love some stuff about terraria i love the exploration i love the digging i love the base building i just don't think the combat's any fun oh see that's where i disagree that's that's the that's where i butt up against it is i love doing all that other stuff i find like all that other stuff and digging and exploring especially very satisfying and then i gotta fight stuff and then i'm not having fun anymore yeah I, i enjoy fighting the stuff it's good stuff but anyway yep that's our that's our top fives here for co-op we're going to take another break here and then we're going to come back to do honorable mentions and our final uh, unified list for co-op games so stick around folks welcome back everyone if you made it this far then I, I know you're enjoying yourself. In which case, an honest rating, a review, 
or referring a friend would definitely go a long way to help us get the word out about this podcast. So thank you for listening, and we're just going to continue on to honorable mentions and the combination of our list. Absolutely. Josh, kick it off. Honorable mentions, go. All right. Um, Heroes of Hammerwatch is a really fun top-down uh, roguelike uh, co-op game that I had a lot of fun with. Uh, Warhammer Vermintide 2 is really good. Uh, maybe you've heard of Diablo 3. That game's quite good. Ooh, yeah. Uh, another Warhammer game, uh, very close to coming to being on my list. Uh, Total War Warhammer 3 is very, very good. Um, Risk of Rain is a really good side-scrolling roguelike, um, that literally had the remake of the first one came out yesterday i've been playing that and that that is very good nice um i also played the original one came out a bunch but um the co-op stuff in starcraft 2 the co-op maps are surprising amounts of fun for a game that's more way more well known for its uh competitive multiplayer i've never been much of a competitive starcraft person co-op i really liked uh monaco what's yours is mine is a fun co-op uh stealth heist game that's really unique that i enjoyed quite a bit from like 10 years ago uh deep rock galactic uh is a game i don't love but i have had a lot of fun with um i don't i don't quite have the the uh love for it that a whole lot of people do but i do think it's a good game uh terraria i have on here uh castle crashers is a really good uh beat-em-up co-op game in the style of old arcade games um, and then, uh, last entry I have here is the various FromSoft games like Dark Souls, Elden Ring, that sort of stuff. Uh, not usually not like full co-op experiences, but you can join up with each other to like help with specific sections or bosses. And that's always a lot of fun to do. So, um, sweet. That's my honorable mentions. What do you got? Uh, and this is an arcade game, Double Dragon. Maybe you've played Double Dragon on an Double arcade. Double good. It's on NES as well. Uh, Toe Jam and Earl Panic on Funkotron. That One was of the best video game titles of all time. Uh, right. Guitar Hero 3, uh, like I said, not as much of a co-op feel the, as Rock There is a Band, co-op mode. There is a co-op mode, and uh, I've, I've played it, and I enjoyed it. Uh, Sonic 2 and 3 for the Sega Genesis. Um, that was when they introduced Tails as a playable character, and then in 3, I felt like they made it that much better, plus you could play as Knuckles in that one. Um, and then one that I, I haven't played, but I've seen a lot of footage of, and I really want to play, is Keep Talking and Nobody Explodes. Oh, and Keep so Talking and Nobody Explodes is great. I, it's on my list, because... I feel like if I had played this, I probably would have gotten really into it, and really it fun. probably would have made my list. We, so. could, we could, I own it. We could play it when you're here if you wanted. Well, uh, we'll, we'll talk about the, that more. The, the way the way that it's good, the the way you play it the best is you have one person fully in VR. Oh, um, the person who is disarming the bomb is in VR, and so no one else can see what's on the screen at all, and so everyone else uh, is reading yeah. through the manual to try and say exactly what the right thing is that's it, very fun i would love that i think that'd be a great party game we it should is. definitely do it it's very good so uh and i i was gonna have some jackbox games in here uh on oh, yeah the, those are good 
and the co-op or the verses it's hard to know exactly where they go and there's so many different ones and it's so hit or miss depending on which jackbox you're doing so i'm just gonna throw it out here as a whole and whatever tko is the best jackbox game anyway so good stuff a lot of fun let's make a combined list let's do it um so i moved over our top threes which are factorio monster hunter world halo 3 terraria baldur's gate dark alliance and minecraft um i have played way less dark alliance than i've played of minecraft but i think i like dark alliance more i think i'm with you on that and i definitely like terraria way more than minecraft because again I'm, i'm just i'm not a big make your own fun type game type of person like sea of thieves is one that people really like a co-op game that Mm, is there's very little structure to the whole game it's very much a make your own fun thing and i just don't like that game at all um i i like games that are a little more structure a little more guided you know not completely structured and guided but like something to it um and minecraft just doesn't hit that stuff for me yeah i do feel like especially in its vanilla state Sure. Now, nowadays, I feel like it's gotten a lot better and there's some level of progression, but it's not not nearly to the level that I would have liked either. And that's why playing with other people is the only way that Minecraft really becomes fun. And so sure. its co-op mode, you know, remains pretty strong. Um, of your three games, Factorio, uh, Halo 3 I've played for sure. Factorio... Um, is one that I would want to play the most. Um, and Monster Hunter World just sounds like, eh, it's pretty interesting. I don't know if I'll ever play that game. Sure. Um, because it sounds like there's at least a decent barrier to entry, and um, I don't know if I'll be committing I, any kind of time I, to something I like that. I would say World is pretty approachable. Previous entries in the series, absolutely. They do not do a good job of explaining themselves. Those games don't do a good job of explaining themselves at all. But I think World does a really good job of onboarding people new to the series. So the only difference I would make in, or change I would make in your list would be to move Halo 3 up above Monster Hunter World. Uh, because I think just from what I have seen on it, I like Halo 3 better. Sure. Um, so, but Factorio. Man, that's a game I probably could get lost in. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I bet if we did some co-op Factorio, I bet you would have a very good time. Yeah, I think you you're got, right. You got the brain for fat. You, I guarantee you, you have Factorio brain. Oh, I know I do. I've, I've dabbled, and, and I'm certain that I would probably spend as much time. If I had started playing it at the same time I played Terraria, there's a chance I could have cla- latched onto that just as easily, but... The fact remains, I have 1,300 hours in Terraria, and yeah. I could even see myself playing more. So, sure. It, and don't get me wrong, it, I like Terraria. It's I hard think to it's a good that. game. There's a lot of, I think, it, like, like I said, the exploring and the digging and stuff, I really, really like. I like, I like those elements of Terraria so much more than I like doing those things in Minecraft. I, it's just the combat, I just don't, just doesn't click with me. Yeah, and how's the combat in Factorio? Uh, really cool. Uh, there's they've added so much cool stuff to Factorio over time in terms of like the base defense stuff. Um, 
So oh, really? early on, you just have a pistol, but you're going to want to get like fairly early on, you're going to want to get upgraded to like the machine gun or a shotgun or something like that. You eventually get uh, all those different like the machine gun turrets, but you can get laser turrets, which are instead of having to feed them bullets, those draw from your power grid. Or you can get like flamethrower turrets, which you can feed oil into. Uh, eventually you get um, tanks, you get or you get like a car with a machine gun on it earlier, and then you can get a tank. You can get power armor earlier that you can fully customize what modules you put into it. So different types of shielding and weaponry and stuff like that. Uh, legs that make you go faster, all that kind of stuff. Um, and eventually you can get up to like spider tanks and like uh, mo uh, mortar cannons on trains that like you can like build near enemy outposts and then like drive trains nearby and just blow up enemy um, nests and stuff from a distance. That's all very cool. There's just a ludicrous amount of options for combat in, in Factorio. It's very neat. You know, I I'm wondering because you only played the early days of Terraria. The oh, no, I, I played, I played Terraria like two years ago. We had like a six person oh. server going um, where we played. I didn't get all the way to the end, but, um, we got, uh, I think, like up to end game kind of stuff. Okay, and what what were you playing as? Uh, I was doing um, in that run. I want to say I was doing like a melee build, but I had I don't think I've ever done summoner, but I've done everything else in the game. Yeah, with summoner, you know, it's like one of the last builds you get. You you effectively control a dragon. And yeah. the dragon serpent flies around you and destroys enemy by just crashing through them. I did. I, I did. I have seen the summoner build because since we had like six people playing the one server, um, people were doing a bunch of different builds, of course. And uh, so I have seen that stuff in play. I just haven't done it myself. Right. It's pretty cool. It's a lot of fun. And there's definitely progression in a lot of interesting ways to play in that game. Same way, you get spider suits, and you can have uh, skeletons or little, like, gnome things that ride around on broomsticks and attack things. Um, swords that shoot projectiles at other things, and homing missile uh, bullets, or, like, scattershot bullets that spray and uh, hit and, like, uh, explode. Um, or send additional shots and spread out from there to do some kind of clawing damage after. Um, I don't know. There's just there's a lot of different ways to play it, especially if you use any kind of mods, which completely increases the overall amount of content in the game. But a couple things I want um, to say here for Factorio. Yeah. One, uh, one thing I know that Factorio, because well, for one, Factorio also has a very robust modding scene. Um, with tons of different cool stuff you can add to the game there, um, including like different types of challenge playthroughs and stuff. Um, the uh, uh, one of the things that I know uh, Terraria doesn't have that I find immensely satisfying in Factorio is you can build automated drone networks in Factorio. And let's say you're just like, I'm, I'm sick of manually building things on my own. I want to design these spaces, but I don't necessarily want to run around and place all these different buildings and objects and things like that. So you can create blueprints. 
And then you can build drone networks where you, you develop the drones and the battery packs that go in them and the facilities that they're housed in and everything. And there's two types of drones. There's construction drones and logistics drones. And you can have the construction, you can set a blueprint down. Uh, these can be massive blueprints of hundreds of facilities and stuff like that. Um, and then if it's within a range of one of your drone facility of your drone network overall, all of the dr- and you have the buildings and materials and stuff in storage already, your drones will just go out and just do it for you. They'll just build anything that you've bl- blueprinted out for you. And then logistics drones you can use to move materials around and and um, have different types of storage set up. Sure. So eventually you can get to a point where you're even focusing less on doing things manually yourself and you're focusing more on design and automating just about everything else that's going on as much as you want to you don't have to certainly right. but as much as you want to you can even people have to come up with designs for you can automate the expansion of your factory you can uh, you can have uh, full automation with logic circuits and everything for once one thing is built then in a modular fashion you continue to expand outwards and the drone network will just continue to um, build more and more facilities to the to your spec um, so the factory grows infinitely and it's very cool <laughs> it's so satisfying it is pretty cool and there's there's a lot of good things going for both of these games um, they're often lumped together that if you like this one you will like the other one I know that's a frequent common recommendation they're, they're also they're both, very different things, I think. They they are, but the people who like one tend to like the other. It's uh it's a connection that I'm seeing on a lot of these um a lot of these pages where people are asking, Hey, I like this game. Can you recommend any others? And very frequently they're included in the recommendations for each other. Um they're both overwhelmingly positive oh, yeah. on on Steam. Um in fact, from what I was reading, Factorio has the second highest rating of any game on Steam above like a minimum amount of reviews. Sure. Um, <clears throat> second highest only to Portal 2, um, which coincidentally also has a co-op mode. Um, it's good. But that being said, I just I haven't played Factorio as much, so it's hard for me. Sure. Hard for me to put myself in that shoe. I'm gonna. I'm really trying, and I'm sure I would get into it. I, I'm pretty sure that these are going one two. Yeah. I just don't know which order. I think Factorio should be number one. I'm. I'm gonna shock you here with that assertion. But um, yeah. I just for me, I, I for me it comes down to I think every single thing in Factorio lands for me, and not every single thing in Terraria lands for me. I really okay. like a lot of the elements that are in there. Um, and then uh, how about this? Factorio goes one monster hunter worlds eliminated. Eliminated. Oh, I don't like it's that. number six. Number I don't six. like that. I would be right okay with number Minecraft. five, but I don't, I see nope. it's right so much better Minecraft. Than, it's so much better than Minecraft. I would, I would, I would be okay with five. I do not want to lose monster hunter off the list. I don't know. I would certainly lose Halo before I lost Monster Hunter. No, I'd rather but have I know Halo. You, I know you like Halo. 
I don't know. I, I will. I will give you. I will tell. Factorio one, Monster Hunter World five. You get two through two, three, and four. Or sorry, you, you get two, three, and four. However you want. Or if you don't want to lose Halo, then you get two and three for what you want. And Scott is killing Halo. I like the game. It's dead. R.I.P. Halo. Well, then we've done it. We've got a list here. Yep. I think this is it. Indeed. All right. Uh, running down the final list here, we have Honorary number six, Halo 3. Excellent game. Uh, number five, Monster Hunter World in 2018, developed by Capcom. Number four, Minecraft in 2009, developed by Mojang Studios. Mojang? Mojang? I'm not sure Mojang. how you pronounce it. You do pronounce it. It's not like jalapeno. Uh, number three is Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance from 2001 by Black Isle Studios, the oldest game on the list. Mm-hmm. Number two is Terraria from 2011, developed by ReLogic. And number one, Factorio 2016 by Wuba Software. They're from, Czech, they're from the Czech Republic. I almost said Czechoslovakia, but that's not a company. Uh, that's not a country anymore. True story. I've been there. And just with that, we are up to date. We've done it. We did two lists. We fit two lists in. It was a long episode, but I also feel like we and not we did that a much longer good than job. some of our long ones. No, we've we've done a good job consolidating our thoughts here. Yeah, we fit it in. Congratulations to us. That's what she said. And to Factorio, and to Halo Two. Yeah, it's okay with Halo Three getting bumped because Halo Two got the number one on the other list. You know. Yeah, that that's true. And spiritually, Halo 3 is number six, so. Yeah. But hey, thanks for taking the time to listen to us argue. And we hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Our next episode will be in two more weeks. And Josh, why don't you tell the people what we plan to do for this other special episode? Well, Scott and I were talking, and we said it's been a while since we did a music episode, and it's been a while since we did a ranking of episode. So we're going to, we found a, um, what I'm going to call an, an authoritative list. list. I'm going to call it an authoritative list, perhaps. Yeah, I don't know. Well, all right. uh, however, however authoritative or arbitrary you want to call it, it's both at once. Um, of the top 100 rock songs of all time, we're going to take the top 50 of those and do a ranking of the top 50 rock songs of all time. According to this list. According to this list, which I don't remember who it's from, but it's some list we found on the internet that we deemed good enough to, to do for the episode. Yeah, it's, We'll, we'll talk uh, about what the actual thing is next time. Ultimate Classic Rock is the, uh, the website. Sure. So I'd believe that. Some authority, I'm sure. So we'll, we'll run name. down... Yeah, we'll run down kind of what they have, and, and uh, then we'll start a reordering. So Absolutely. it'll be fun. It'll be a good time. I think so. I do like some some classic rock and or some other rock songs and I want I a rock. We settled on this list because it it felt like it was the the best that exemplified what they were looking for in classic rock and not just the general idea of what rock is. Sure. Like Aretha Franklin respect great song not really a rock song in not my so mind. much what i'm thinking of but yeah anyway so yeah all right well i think we're good looking forward to that episode 
nice work on this one. And we each took one with uh, a yeah. number one, so that's pretty cool. Effectively tying. But, uh, hey, kids, yeah, don't so, play Dota 2. Yeah. It's uh, great. It, no, it's not. I mean, it is, but it isn't. <laughs> but hey, until next time, I've been Scott. And I've been Josh. And remember, with a little practice, you can argue your way into a friendship. Take care, folks. I will not take care. I will live recklessly. Oh, you know what? You didn't ask me anything about Surf Ninjas. I don't think I did last time either. Mm. No, I think you did. Did I? I don't remember. Yeah, I think you did last time. Uh, we're gonna do it. You reminded me, so I'm gonna do it right now. Hey, Scott, recording. breaking in right here, real, real quick. We forgot the Surf Ninjas question. Oh, um, I need you to do an ordered ranking of Halo Two Factoria. Oh no, so it's, it's, we don't do the, the unified list. We do your number ones. That's right. Halo Two Terraria and Surf Ninjas. Give me your mm. ordered ranking here. Yeah, that's. Uh... I, I can tell you very firmly that I have not spent 1,300 hours watching Surf Ninjas. I would be because very concerned with you if you had. <laughs> it's only 90 minutes long. Uh, it, how many times would I have to watch it in order for it to be 1,300? Like, that's, that's ridiculous. Um, so that being said... Uh, 867 I'm, times. I'm not what no. Uh Terraria takes the cake there. And okay. uh you know what? Halo two Halo two uh is above Surf Ninjas as well. Boy. So of the three it's yeah, it's Surf Ninja's taking a lot of L's recently. It really is, you know. We're gonna have to come up with a more arbitrary list that'll get me some more W's for Surf Ninjas. But uh Terraria right, now we'll actually get out of here. <laughs> relative to Halo two, ooh, that's don't make me choose. I mean, I feel like that's that's a tough one. Uh, man. No, I'm not gonna decide. I have to wait. Halo Terraria. Terraria two. Ooh. Terraylo. No. Hararia. No. Master Chief's not in Terraria. Hilaria. Halo. Haloria. That's the name of Alec Baldwin's wife. No. What? Her name's Hilaria Baldwin. No, what? Yeah, that's her name. That's not a name. H I L A R I A. H I L I. H I L A. Hilaria. Hilaria. It's not like Hillary? Nope. I don't know. I've never heard of that. Okay, well, maybe it's a name. Maybe it's just one I'm not familiar with. Anyway, I believe it is Latino. Uh, okay, well, there you go. Then it's probably the Latino version of Hillary, based on what you're saying. So, all right. Sounds good. It's a good thing I'm Hilaria. (laughs) (laughs) That was bad. I I apologize. You're fired. All right, bye. This is going to be a quick episode. We'll see.